Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. My name's Evan. And my name is Alex. And today it actually should be three dudes watch cartoons because while we're covering book three of Avatar, we do have our first ever guest here. Uh, His name is Aaron Robertson. He's a good friend of mine. Evan and him are just meeting for the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Aaron, why don't you go ahead and give us a little introduction about yourself? Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Aaron Robertson as foretold. And I, yeah, I'm a good friend of Alex's and I'm involved in a lot of uh, podcasting in the reality TV community, as well as uh, creating music for various podcasts and things as well. And also in, in life. Uh, I love theater. I love music composition. I'm getting into data analytics now. I'm studying that. Um, So that is my current trajectory. You and fit in right here. We we love theater as well. We're two theater nerds <laughs> from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> back in the day. Well, um, and Avatar was such an influential um, show for me because I was 11 when the show started. So, mm-hmm. um, and I remember, you know, watching it on 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 Nick, and even afterwards, getting DVDs and listening to the commentary and hearing, you know, Josh DeSolo, who I already loved from. All that he was on all that, right? Yeah, he was. He okay. was on all that. Oh, I already love from all that, and um, like a Nickelodeon SNL. Yes, <laughs> and I I still like fan when I hear him in um, the Dragon Prince as well. So it's just all of all of the things. So have you been? That was, this is a quick segue. Have you watched the Dragon Prince? Because I've heard good things about it, and it's yes. by the same people. Yes, I am caught. I've watched. I ate that up as soon okay. as it came out. I watched it. I've seen every season so far, and I I really I really do love it. And it's shocking to me how Josh DeSola can still sound like a young kid, even though it is decades after Avatar <laughs> yeah. happened but it's it's there i yeah that's talented. awesome yeah i love the talent uh, in this group uh just a little segue both you so evan and aaron you guys have two of the most lovely singing voices i have ever heard so you guys share that in common you both sing mm-hmm. so yeah. uh just a little segue in there but so well, dragon you. prince we'll probably have to check that out as well i've i've yeah. uh Heard put it in the queue. Put it Highly in the queue. Recommend. Highly cool. recommend. Highly yeah. recommend. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's funny because someone compared it to Avatar, and obviously it also has Josh DeSola in it, who plays Sokka mm-hmm. in Avatar. Mm-hmm. But uh, today we are just covering book three. Uh, last time when we were talking about book two, we were both under the impression that book three was probably the best of the series. But we we actually really loved two. But then again, when I went back and watched three, I thought it was probably better than two. So maybe I'm just like a fair weather fan. <laughs> and like, I got recency bias. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, um, I know that you had mentioned before that book one was the most nostalgic for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, book three was the one that stuck with me the most. A lot of the episodes that I remembered for years afterwards and a lot of my favorite episodes are in this book. I mean, I can, I can like, I mean, 
the headband, the painted lady, mm-hmm. the beach, the runaway, the puppet, oh, the puppet master. Daydreams. I mean, and that's just the, the first half. Anime. Like, you yeah, know, that's I like the name every episode. Yeah, it's really crazy because I, when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, well, the second half of this season is where all the big hitting episodes are. But when I went back and watched it, I was just talking about the beach. The beach is probably what some lazier people would call like filler, but the beach ended up being one of my favorite on rewatch. It was so good. I literally was just talking about this with Evan this morning and I think you went back and watched it as well, Evan. I did. And I, you know, I still... It's not my favorite episode, but I do see the merit in what you pointed out. Uh, the kind of the emotional plot points that they have for the characters at the end of that episode are very important to mm-hmm. the overall arc. So not quite filler. It's not my favorite episode, but I can see the merit in it. It is. I mean, it is one of the most important episodes, I would say, in in the series, because there are some small moments that happen in it that set up the rest of the season. Um, and it has one of my favorite scenes as well, which is the argument between Zuko made Tylee and Azulo. Yeah. Uh, Azula and that's what and, I loved about it was yeah. that part when they really are airing all the grievances and getting in each other's business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really good. It's also probably the first time we see Azula like recognize that she's kind of a kind of a monster. Not the first time, but really like self-aware, but mm-hmm. it was interesting getting a deeper look at May and Ty Lee, who were just kind of side characters up until this point. And then obviously we, me and Evan have been talking about these past two books is this story is very much the story of Aang and the story of Zuko. They're, mm-hmm. they're two parallels. And so this gives us a really good look into the struggle that Zuko's having. Cause when we start the book, uh, Zuko's back in the fire nation. He feels like he, he should be on top of the world. This is what he's been working for the first two seasons was mm-hmm. returning home and having his honor restored. And it, it goes to show he's really not happy with how it all shook out. Yeah. I will say season three, um, the hairstyles in a way are used kind of symbolically. Uh, one of the things I noticed starting the season again was that Zuko is back in the fire nation. So you'd think he'd go back to his season one look where the front of his forehead is shaved but he Mm -hmm. doesn't he maintains his long hair but he just has it up in the bun yeah um and i think that kind of signifies and 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 ang two uh episode uh i think it's one or two where he's really torn about shaving his head and because that's his tie to his identity as an airbender and he has to now hide that he has to hide his tattoos by growing out his hair so that they can go into the fire nation you know, yeah, undercover. But I'm pretty sure that's in episode one. I always thought it was, he wakes up and his hair is already yes. long. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And Katara yeah. goes, Oh, I like your hair, by the way. He goes, I have hair. He's or he was like, how long have I been out? Which yeah. uh, it's he funny means- because as a kid, I just always thought he was bald. Like I didn't yeah. understand that he was shaving his head. So it's yeah. funny when he gets hair. Yeah. As a kid, I'm like, what's going on? How did he get hair? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Evan actually a week ago, and I, I just have to call it out because in the first episode, he pointed out one of the craziest, like, I don't even know what to call it a segue, but so Aang is real upset about this loss that they just had in bossing say, and he's pissed that he has to hide that he's the avatar back to segueing back to his hair. 
And Katara's like, leave it. She, he's like, leave me alone, Katara. Just leave me alone. And she's like, can I get you anything? He's already, like, she's like, need, yeah. is there anything you need? You already know what I'm talking about. I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So he goes, is there anything you need? And he goes, I, I need to, I don't remember the exact quote, but it ends with, I need my honor back. And it just yeah. flashes yeah. to Zuko. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I wrote down the exact quote because I was like, because I loved the, the, there was a lot of juxtaposition in that first episode, you know, with that, I need to redeem myself. I need my Mm -hmm. honor back when Aang says that. And then cut to next scene when Lord Ozai is saying, you have redeemed yourself, my son. Welcome home. Having that back next to each other. I loved Lo and Lee's near exposition against Sokka's explanation to Aang. I loved um, something that I caught in the first episode was this shot of Zuko walking out over the crowd of the Fire Nation and he's looking miserable, which you can juxtapose that against, you know, the shot at the very end of the series in the last episode when he's walking out over the, you know, and he's got all the, of the biggest nation. smile. So it, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, um, you know, he's feeding the duck that yeah. he hit in that flashback. Like there's a lot of things <laughs> that I caught in the first episode. That I was like, it's, it's funny when what we go that? back, we always talk about bookends. This show is really good at ending in a full circle. So that moment you just caught there is literally right on theme with everything we say, him walking out on all the people. And they do a great job just yeah. visually of making mm-hmm. him look miserable. Like you can yeah. just see it on him. He is not happy. He doesn't need to say anything. He just looks upset. And then versus the one of him at the end, standing there with Aang and you could just, he's glowing. He's just a new man. Oh, it's so great. That's so yeah, great. That's a nice well, catch. Even, even the beginning of that first episode in season three where he wakes up in the boat on a fire nation boat it's a callback to season one episode two when he's captured by zuko and he has to escape the boat and he's trying to you know run through the hallways and all that and it's just like a nice i didn't you know you don't catch the first couple times but you know the second or third time watching it through it's like that is a nice little touch there doing a callback all the way to season one just random stuff yeah that I didn't catch as a kid. I never yeah. would have. <laughs> and something that I noticed is that in order for personal growth, both Aang and Zuko have to cast aside objects that represent their identities. So in the same way in episode one of season two, when we both saw Zuko and Iroh cut off their hair, we see Aang in episode one of book three, you know, putting his glider into the rock of the volcano and having it burn up in, in an ash to kind of say, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, I need to mask myself and, you know, let go of, of, of past things in order to, to grow and, and, and move on. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I, my, I go for it. Oh, I was going to say my only other note for season three, episode one is just what a fucking downer it was. It is so depressing. <laughs> Starts like, on a really sad note, yeah. but that was because we ended on a really sad note too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I, it, but that's what makes the ending feel so earned is you do go through a number of these episodes where you're just like, Oh my God, this ended so poorly for them again. You're like, when are things going to start turning around? And uh, (laughs) it's really great because it's a whole, it's a very somber episode, even for Zuko who should probably be celebrating. It's -hmm. still just a very somber episode for him. Yeah. And so that episode ends with Roku appearing to Aang floating as he's like adrift at sea um and he's trying to like console ang because ang has this huge burden on himself and he 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 thinks he's failed the world twice now Mm -hmm. and roku's like look this was my problem like i should have been the one to stop this you're just inheriting my failures as an avatar 
And that's kind of the the journey or uh, lesson that both Aang and Zuko are, are having to learn. Like we inherit the traumas of our ancestor. Zuko's is the culmination of his two, you know, lineages, lineages, and they both have to come to terms with that in this season. Wow, that's good. Oh my mm-hmm. god, you guys, uh, these connections right now. We haven't even made it out of episode one, and we're just literally <laughs> connecting so many different. Pl- I this it's just. I harp on it so many times, but the amount of time effort thought that the creators put into this show, all these sorts of connections are going to be lost on, uh, I don't want to say 90% of the people watching. Cause I think, especially with it getting a resurgence in popular popularity Mm -hmm. right now, we're seeing a lot of people appreciate these really minor, but just beautiful details. But Let's move on to the next episode, the headband. Um, I, one thing I've noticed a few of these episodes is I th- the the title kind of throws me off. I see the headband, and my instant thought is because he's using the headband to hide his arrow that he's uh-huh. gonna. It's somehow gonna be revealed about that the headband. Yeah, it's gonna be about yeah. the headband, him revealing it. But no, they kind of put a, a twist detail. on it. Yeah. yeah, it's a minor <laughs> detail, and it, it was just the kids at the end all putting their headbands on. So mm-hmm. that was what I I really enjoyed. And then obviously this is like I'm pretty sure a Footloose reference. Am I wrong? Yeah, definitely Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching yeah. everyone the kids don't dance in town. Yeah. Like what what other town do you know where kids don't dance? That's Footloose. Um but there's a I did write down something here. Oh, th- so Aang goes to the Fire Nation school yeah. and they mm-hmm. teach some revisionist history, if you'll call <laughs> yes, it that. They yeah. do. Which I think is great because that is like super commonplace in mm-hmm. in our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about the air armies, how the Fire Nation took down the air armies, and Aang's like, "Well, they were nomads. They didn't. They didn't have any yeah, armies. They didn't have a formal military." <laughs> uh huh. Well, uh, interesting fact about this episode: the girl, the Fire Nation, like schoolgirl that Aang kind of mm-hmm. flirts with a little bit, is voiced by Tanash. Am I saying she's like a? A pop artist, oh. yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, Which, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. No, I didn't they even put that together. Stellar, even guests, wow. voice actors. I got one I'm saving season. for later. You stole uh-huh. my thunder. I'm not going to say it until we get to the episode, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah, blow your guys' I, mind. You know, this episode has always stuck with me for well, one reason, and that is. You know, Aang's still, you know, a hundred year old view of the Fire Nation using those terms and bringing those dances back. And, you know, I wrote every little, you know, stay flaming, (laughs) Hotman, you know, flame yo, like I like I say flame yo, Hotman to greet. All yeah. I need to start. <laughs> Flamio yeah. Hotman is That's so my funny. Yeah. From the show. Yeah. <laughs> Flamio Hotman. And he says it so confidently. Like he's like, oh, I'm hip with it. I know what the people are, how they talk here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to have a Korra connection um, in here, Ooh. I noticed in this when Sokka was pretending to be Wang Fire. Uh, that he was speaking like the announcer from from Korra, and I always thought, you know, how how interesting it was that Korra kind of built upon, you know, uh-huh. uh, that kind of um, I don't know things that were mentioned yeah. in Avatar. Yeah, you know, uh, I love that too, and I feel like when I go back and watch this because I recently just finished Korra for the first time. I can I, I spot things where I'm like, oh, it's cool that they're they're building upon what they already mm-hmm. have here. Mm-hmm. Even though sometimes they do feel like two separate shows, Avatar and Korra. It 
when you go back and watch the two of them, you can see they are very connected. It's the same world, just a matter of, uh, you know, a longer time span away. So I love catching things like that where you're like, oh, they're, they're building off of stuff they've already done. Uh-huh. Yeah. One of the things I noticed in uh, the headband is one of the dance moves that Aang introduces. He says, this one is from the ballrooms of Ba Sing Se, and he does this kind of swiping motion, like windshield wipers. Yeah. Uh, you got hands. it down. And it looks familiar to me. And I, that's when I remembered in towards the end of season two, when Toph and team avatar are storming uh, the earth King's palace towards the end of the season, she does a very similar move to deflect like the rock projectiles uh, that they're shooting at them. And if I were like a better video editor, I would be able to put them side by side, but I haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) But it was just like a small thing where it's like, Yes, that move is from Bossing Say, whether they uh whether it's an actual dance move there, but it's in the forms of earthbending that Toph has already showed us. Yeah. Such a minute detail that is astounding to me. And speaking of sort of of what you mentioned earlier in terms of revisionist history, mm-hmm. um, you know, when the teacher um chastises Aang for not bowing and using the proper, you know, greeting. You know, I didn't pick up on this at the time, but like, I, this is the same greeting that we're going to see, you know, several episodes later um, in the Firebending Masters when yep. the Sun Warriors use that same thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, t- um, kind of bastardizing, you know, things that had been around for a long time and kind of catering it to serve you know, the huge empire that is the fire nation um, is, is certainly also with the head. I agree. Yeah. I, I love those sorts of things where you see the culture of the society just really woven into, and it's, it's to both your points, the earthbending dancing or excuse mm-hmm. me, bossing says dance moves are going to be kind of earthbendy. And you do see of years and years of tradition, like the sun warriors are not part of modern firebending society like yeah. people don't even know they're there but they use the same formal greeting as everyone uh-huh. else it's it's real cool mm-hmm. to see those sorts of connections it just goes to show like these are real cultures and societies they have things that are very defining to them and it's interesting to me because right now in like where the story is at and maybe it's just because i'm watching a bit of core as well but where the story's at the four nations are very much four nations their cultures are different they don't interact a ton and it's cool to see our characters exploring the world because not many people in this universe probably get a good look at all four societies like that unless you're the avatar which you know Mm -hmm. he goes around and trains with all them and so I don't know. It's just, it's, it's such a, like I, we harp on these tiny details, but it's, this is like a big one. This is woven into the fabric, the story, the everything, the bending, the, the names of the people from what, what, uh, of the nations they're from. So I love that they just never miss a beat with it. Any opportunity they have to make something distinct from a a certain nation, they take the opportunity to Mm -hmm. do all right, let's move on to the painted lady, which I actually had mixed up in my notes. I thought it was the puppet master, but now that I'm looking at everything here, it's painted lady, yeah. yeah, the painted lady is the one where Katara does some vigilante justice. Is that Basically, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Love she dresses it. up as a, a spirit that uh, not haunts but protects a village, a Fire Nation village. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like this because Katara is. It, it goes back to when 
Sokka and Jet got over wanting to harm that old man who was Fire Nation, but he didn't have any part in the war. This, mm-hmm. uh, they're in the Fire Nation this whole season. Katara kind of put her hatred of the Fire Nation aside and was like, no, these are innocent people. And, yeah. you know, stepped up and, and looked after them, even though they are the enemy, per se. Yeah, and we got to take a look into pollution and, you know, learning about how, you know, I mean, the Fire Nation has this factory that's producing uh, metal and, and goods and how that's affecting this town. You know, everything is is just covered in, coated in this mud. Uh, gunk. Gun, yeah, gun, there's gunk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah. don't even. <laughs> it's something we touched on. The Fire Nation is more industrialized than the other nations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, pollution is, I mean, that's like a good theme especially for children because it's usually the calling card anytime they want to show that the fire nation has taken over there's just plumes of smoke and Mm -hmm. you know or pollution as we see here so (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's uh it's funny that they equate the bad guys with polluting this is totally off topic but i was just looking at your uh, awesome sweater again aaron what 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 element are you what kind of bender would you be i'm a thousand percent air oh okay an airbender I myself, I have not set up until now because I have been waiting for this book, but I am a firebender. I'm very fiery in things that I do. I'm very passionate. While <laughs> there are many downsides to being a firebender, you can let your anger or emotions get the best of you. Uh, that is my driving force is that inner fire inside me. So I, I always loved this book in particular because it gives us a, a, a look at you know the good side of firebending uh, in yeah. simple terms. In the past, I probably would have said I was a waterbender in that I think I am flexible with change, able to adapt. But uh, I think the more I think about it, I might be an earthbender. Yeah, they, that, would, that, would have, that was my thought. They listen and they wait and yeah. they strike when the moment is right. I love that. And you're very firm. And we talked about this Captain America style. You're not going to back down from what you know is right. And I, that is, I think that's a very adept uh analysis of yourself yeah i was gonna say i love how katara's quote in here something that i remember her saying was i will never ever turn my back on people who need me and that was um you know a huge proponent of why she was doing what she was doing and we got to see more into her character and i loved them teaming up to create the illusion of the painted lady yeah um you know, just with the air and the rising up, just all that whole thing was such a cool sequence. I agree. I really like that message too, because that's what team avatar is all about. That sentence right there, they're never going to turn their back on someone who needs help. And unfortunately for them, it's the whole world that needs help right now. Yeah. Yeah, One of the things with the painted lady that I noticed is that her, when the spirit finally appears to Katara, she appears as she's like in these white billowy robes, you know, floating in the moonlight. And I'm sure it's probably a function of just like convenient animation in that they're reusing. So the anim- the painted lady herself looked very similar to what UA other than the face paint uh, princess UA looks like when she appears as a spirit, 
she has these billowy white robes she appears in the moonlight and so i'm sure they were just reusing you know whatever they don't have to reanimate that but they are not lazy animators they (laughs) are not you do not diss these animators because they put so much i I think it's purposeful is what i'm saying now okay okay i'm I'm twisted your point but they look very similar and then uh, as she fades away, the moon is in the background. So I'm not saying it's, it's princess UA exactly, but I think there's a connection there. There's some intention there in my opinion. She's yeah. I, the, if any spirit is going to, you know, help Katara, it's going to be the spirit of the moon, the spirit, the mm-hmm. water spirit. So yeah. I like that. I think that's great. And plus UA has a vested interest in our group and dang it. I'm just going to skip to it. Cause we're talking about it right now. Princess UA helps the team one last time here. She is the moon and she gave them the solar eclipse, which was when they were going to strike and take down the fire nation. And that was Sokka's plan. And I think uh-huh. it's really cute that Sokka, you know, got help from Princess UA one last time in in, in the form of the solar eclipse. Uh, just thought I'd bring that up while we were talking about her because yeah. she doesn't really play any part in the rest of the season. She also controls the tide um, to help and get to the island. Oh my god! That's true. She does. Yeah, like, she's the always controls the tide. So, she's yeah. always looking out for the team. She's yeah. always there. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that little detail. Oh, that's great. That is so good. But yeah, Princess Yue, she's not in this, but she's she's with us in spirit. Mm-hmm. She is. Literally. Li- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, okay. Next episode, uh, unless any other points, that is a, that is a pretty good episode. I, I, yeah. I, I discredited it a little at the, at the beginning. <laughs> uh, but let's move on. Sokka's Master. Uh, this is an episode where Sokka learns to become a master sword fighter. And yeah. I think the cool part is since we could talk about the whole season now, he learns from a member of the white Lotus, someone who believes in drawing knowledge from all four uh, nations. And he kind of touches upon that with Sokka into the team is mm-hmm. he's like, I knew you guys were from not, I knew you guys were from the water tribe. They're like, well, then why'd you help us? And he's like, you know, knowledge doesn't art doesn't belong to just one nation. He's like, yeah, I saw true. something in Sokka, and he's like, when else am I going to meet the Avatar? And so it's like, oh, he knew the whole time. <laughs> he was cool. He was a G. Yeah, one one meme I've noticed floating around Twitter in the Avatar community is that is a, a picture of Sokka, because we don't think of him, because he's not a bender, we don't think of him as one of the main fighters. But in each season, in each of the four nations, he's mastered some form of combat. He learned from the Kyoshi Warriors. He learned from... Uh, mm-hmm. This swordsman, uh, he built the air balloons that they used to fight their wars. So he's mastered some, and obviously he's a water tribe, a skilled warrior yeah. in their style as well. So he's also going on the subtle journey. And this one's another one of those episodes we get to spend, you know, he's a little more than comedic relief this time, which I enjoy because he's kind of relegated to the sidelines a lot of the time. It oh, starts yeah. the episode that way. They're putting out this huge fire from a, from a meteor that crash lands and he's just, you know, sitting on the sidelines with Momo and be like, Hey, how can I help? And like, don't worry, <laughs> we got it. Um, so they finally give him his due and, and he's a respected warrior. And then that's continued in, you know, when we talk about connecting Korra with Avatar, they speak of him as a great leader and a great warrior and which we see the building blocks of throughout this, uh, throughout the last airbender. 
I love it. And on the flip side through this episode in on the Zuko side, where you're seeing a lot of Iroh, um, you know, pretending to be this crazy old man mm-hmm. and um, man, that's so smart. I just, I love, I love the subtleties of, of Iroh. Um, I love everything I, about Iroh. I love everything <laughs> about him. Yeah. Uh, and just really paying attention to his intentions of all of the tricks that he uses to like mask himself working out uh-huh. and really presenting this image so that they don't really take him as seriously and really plotting his escape all the yeah. way back from here, you know? It's what a true, you know, like master warrior does. They know when to strike. He knows what he needs to do. He's got to bide his time. He needs to bulk up. He needs he's to all make about them strategy. all about strategy. It's that pie, pie show. show yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's all about strategy. I'm a big strategy guy myself. So I appreciate what you're saying, Aaron. Even the little things, just him slobbering over the food, just <laughs> anything he can do to make them discredit him a little more that way when he does strike they're not ready for it oh i love it i love that stuff so good but uh while we're talking about it zuko we've we touched on it he's having a little bit of a tough time and he visits iroh a couple times in jail even though he probably shouldn't because Mm -hmm. he if he wants to be like a respectable uh prince he shouldn't be hanging out with his traitorous uncle in jail but he does anyways, because he loves Iroh. He doesn't know it just yet, but he loves him so much. Yeah. Yes, he does. Uh, anything else from Sokka's master? I think we touched on most of that there. He ends the, the episode with a cool-ass meteor sword. Yeah, yes. well, yeah, we, oh, how did we not talk? Yeah, yeah we, no, we <laughs> didn't even talk about that. sword out of meteor, which, which is pretty sweet. Any sword that not so made cool. of meteor yeah. feels less <laughs> to me now. Like how yeah. that's, it's cool. Is it really a sword? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how Toph too, I think she gets some of the meteor and she like wears it and she will use it, I think in the future as well, because she can kind of shift it and make it work. I think she makes uh-huh. it into a key later on, in all oh, honesty, is what yeah. I'm remembering. Um, oh, but right. so the meteor is cool. Because uh, uh, they have a funny line, too, when they're talking about space. They were like, they get real introspective. They're like, oh, yeah, but it kind of makes you feel insignificant and small. And then Toph is like, eh, haven't seen it once. You've seen it all or kind of or you haven't seen it all kind of thing. And so I love those moments where they get like really deep, like outside a, a kid's show. And then they always bring it back with some sort of goofy humor. Yeah. Um, OK, the beach. We did talk a little bit about the beach, but. The beach is good because uh, first part of the episode, you kind of don't take it too seriously because the A story, if you will, like the main story we're following is uh, Zuko, Azula, Tylee and May at the beach, like literally just having like a beach day. And then this is where is this where Aang and them meet the explosion guy? Because he's someone I want to touch on. Yeah. So at the end of episode two, the headband, we have Zuko hiring the uh, I'm just going to call him the combustion man. Yeah. Uh, to sparky, 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 and the man. avatar. And then here in the beach, we have Aang exposing himself mm. to some guards by the water. And then they send the messenger hog that's supposed to go to the fire Lord, but combustion man intercepts it. Yep. That's right. And, and then the, goes after him himself. Yeah. I just love anytime they give us like a variation of one of the bendings. And this is an interesting one. Cause he does not use his hands, his feet, like normal benders. He literally just from a third eye in his forehead creates not even just fire, like an explosion and he can do it at pretty long distances. Yeah. And 
it's really badass. Like, (laughs) it's so cool. (laughs) I was reading up on the Avatar wiki at his backstory. And so he's got this metal arm claw and And a metal metal leg. Yeah. And a metal foot. And those are part of his origin is that when he was younger and had not yet mastered his ability, he had blown himself up. Oh, and that's kind of how he ends to spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) They don't mention that in the episode or in the show at all, but no, just the backstory around this guy. He's, it's a nice touch. He's physically imposing. He's like twice the size of any of the characters we've seen. He is very athletic. He can keep up with them and he can make explosions with his mind. With his mind. (laughs) Completely silent as well, which is part of the part of, like his the the terror is that you don't know they team avatar doesn't know what his motivations are they just does know he speak does them. he have a no. line i don't think no, he has one line i think he might grunt no. well that's not a line <laughs> yeah that's yeah. the only bit of his voice we hear it's wow really that's actually a nice touch though like i don't know yeah. like uh, we talked about this kind of with momo and appa though is mm-hmm. they are really good at characterizing people without even having them speak yeah. Which is, yeah. that's a nice touch. Not every show can do that. You can't have like very defined characters that don't actually talk to the audience or anyone else. He's a and, villain in the vein of like Jaws from James Bond. Yeah, like, that's a good like, way to put it. Just a yeah. large physical presence. <laughs> and speaking of somebody who's very um, combustive, I think when I was watching book three again recently, I really tried to pay attention to Azula because Azula is somebody that I really wanted to understand more as a young child. When I was watching it, I didn't really pick up on as much of the nuances. So I was a bit confused as to the motivation Mm -hmm. of, of the character traits and really just the subtleties of, you know, why she might be lying or why she might be doing the way that, what she is and so seeing her here in the beach you know where nobody knows who she is you know she 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 doesn't like that free to do do whatever she wants and she's so ambitious Mm-hmm. In everything that she does, you know, like let's play some volleyball. I will destroy you and end you for all time. I will <laughs> toss, you know, to this, you know, this girl, she's, she's favoring this one side. So that means this other side must be injured. So let's hit that side and <laughs> her and make her burn the net. When I uh-huh. do this super spike, I like, it just, it was just intense <laughs> on another yeah. level or like when she was flirting with, um, the Chan or Ron John. They're my two favorite characters of of season three. Oh my goodness. These popular fire nation, rich kids. We think they're big shots because they get to live on Ember Island. (laughs) You know, the parents are gone. Let me throw a party. And, um, you know, saying that we will become the most powerful couple and take over the world. You know, yeah, just, her flirting yeah. is really awkward, but mm-hmm. I, yeah. I actually really like what you're getting at, how ambitious she is. What that makes me feel is like that's how her and Zuko were raised. And whereas she flourished under an environment like that, it mm-hmm. made her not as much of a people person where Zuko was banished forced to live among people when he got kind of double banished if, if in season two, when he was on the run mm-hmm. where Zuko learns more about empathy, caring for others. Azula has always been competitive, competitive, competitive. Yes. And so 
it, it's a really interesting look at how the two of them kind of splintered off when Zuko was exiled. I was going to say, even her flames are competitive. And that's something that I didn't really realize until I was watching this, that like, you know, I mean, obviously for animation and being able to tell the difference between, you know, different flames, it's, it's great to have, you know, different colors, but also, I mean, with her flame being blue, I mean, you know, you talked of the theme of book one of a lot of the firebenders, their source of their fire came from rage. And, you know, Iroh trying to explain and other people trying to explain, hey, that's not really where fire is coming from. And having that whole arc here, because her flames are blue and blue flames are like the hottest flames, yeah. color of flames mm-hmm. you could have. I mean, that this must mean that her rage or whatever is fueling her rage is so much more intense than yeah. Zuko's yeah. almost to a, a destructive level, as you can kind of see where we that. go with Azulo. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's so but, true. I mean, that's what makes her a, a, such a powerful firebender. Alex, when you did the description of the, the four nations, fire is ambition it's drive it's you know yeah i have that right here i'm gonna read that again because i love this this is iroh in season two he's going through all the four of them i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. read the fire one he says fire fire is the element of power the people of the fire nation have desire and will and the energy and drive to achieve what they want and azula is like the epitome of that achieve what she wants and some she's gonna go above Mm. and beyond but Mm -hmm. uh, what i talked about last chapter was the books always have these the feel of the kind of the element that they're about and so this one in fire we see zuko and ang really teetering on the edge of accomplishing their goal what they want to finally accomplish and it almost feels like azula has reached a point where she feels, especially towards the end when she gets crowned, she feels she's accomplished everything and she's just, you know, slowly losing it because she doesn't know, she doesn't know how to handle it because she is not equipped to deal with people. She's just always focused on succeeding at any yeah. means necessary. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love that. I just went off on a bit of a tangent there, but <laughs> no, that, right. it, the beach is a great episode because we get a closer look at these two Azula and Zuko Azula, a little bit more her ambition, her inability to speak with, or just like handle other people. I, I do think her flirting is probably one of the funniest parts of the whole season I saw <laughs> because I don't think as a kid, I understood she was actually like flirting. I almost was like, Oh, what is she talking yeah, about? Yeah. But like here, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, she's interested. She she's interested in him and it's, and yeah. it's pretty funny. And then she kisses him and she instantly goes back to, we're going to be the most powerful couple in the fire nation. <laughs> so the next one after this, uh, this might be one of my Except for like the finale, one of my favorite episodes, uh, it's the Avatar and the Fire Lord. Another misdirect on the name. I think if you were just to look at the names alone, you'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, is Aang going to run into Fire Lord? <laughs> yeah. Was, I, you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. But no, that's not what it's about. It's about history. It's about ancestry. It's about the lineage and the mm-hmm. trauma we inherit from uh-huh. those before us. And you're right. It is an amazing episode. It's one of my favorites also. And also a misdirect in terms of the story that Zuko is reading in terms of, you know, <laughs> yes. reading about how his, um, you know, ancestor died, you know, um, come to find out it's not the ancestor he thought he was was reading about. <laughs> so I do love this in the sense that this is one of the first 
overt instances of oh ang and zuko's story is very intertwined yeah because before it, of it, yeah. yeah yeah before it's all been very metaphorical very uh hinted at we we know it because we know how intertwined their stories are now we we can catch it on rewatches but i really enjoyed this episode because like you said zuko is getting just so more and more frustrated he's like i know how my grandfather died i know how fire lord sozen died why is iroh trying to re-teach me this story and the whole time we're learning uh roku's side of the story as he's telling it to ang i love the mm-hmm. duality of the two stories going on at once the two narrations mm-hmm. at the same time um, I just love that storytelling technique, and I think they really pull it off well here. Really um, did. I'm trying to think at the start of the episode. Oh, my favorite! This is actually I usually like to do like an uh, my favorite Iroh quote, but uh-huh. I think so. It's kind of it's it's Roku and Toph that both say it. But Roku, when they're going through Roku's life, he they go to the air t- temple and they watch him studying yeah. airbending and he's best friends with monkey Atsu, who that, that was Aang's best friend. Like, Oh, uh-huh. it's such a nice, and I mean, they, they touch on it. They're like, that's so cool that we were both best friends and Roku's like, some friendships are so strong. They transcend lifetimes. And then wow. Toph at the end though, hits the note kind of, I, I think hers is a little more sentimental because she hears the whole story. And then she goes, do you, do you really believe that some friendships last more than a lifetime? And they're all like, yeah, and they all hold hands. And it's really, it's really touching. And I think it's a big part of this story is obviously the reincarnation cycle of the Avatar. But we're talking about Zuko's lineage. It's, uh-huh. it's sort of friendships and, and bonds, you know, they're worth making because they're mm-hmm. not just our lifetime. They can grow beyond our lifetime and represent more. Later. And I think Toph was the perfect one to ask that question because her whole thing is independence, you know, being entirely independent and not needing anyone. <laughs> so, you know, it would have been cute right. if Sokka or Katara said it, but because it's Toph, she's having this very tender moment where it's like, yeah, I do kind of care about these people that I, that is, you know, a little bristly towards. <laughs> I love that. Um, but the the end of the story where so Roku and Fire Lord Sozin, they are close friends from a young age. And as Prince Sozin is stepping into his role as the Fire Lord, Roku is, you know, stepping into his role as the Avatar and taking on those responsibilities. And eventually their interest at first, they think they can work together. But they're Roku best friends. Why wouldn't yeah, they want to work together? Best friends. And Roku thinks that they can work alongside each other, but he sees that Sozin being the powerful firebender, the embodiment of the fire nation that he is, his ambitions are greater. He wants to spread the prosperity of the fire nation to the whole world. And so they eventually butt heads and uh, they, they fight, you know, at one point Roku has to take over an earth King city from him. And then in uh, the later years of their life, Roku's island, it, a volcano erupts. And we see Sozin set aside his feud with Roku to go help him. But then... Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Kind of help him. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ready? that actually made me more mad. If you're not going to help, don't help. Yeah. Don't come, start to help, and then be like, oh, wait, I could use this moment. Like, ah, uh, uh-huh. it was more of a D-bag move. But, but here's to the lesson of the episode because Aang walks away with this lesson at the end. He says there's people are capable of great 
good and great evil. And we see that in Sosen. He goes to Roku's island with the intention of helping. And in that oh. split second where he sees that he can either save Roku or let him die from the volcano, you know, he's torn, but his ambition takes over. His his selfish drive takes over. Yeah. He lets Roku die. And the touching thing, which is sad, is as Roku's dying, his his dragon comes back. Fang comes back, curls himself up around the avatar, very similar to how we see Appa and Aang in, you know, season one when they're- I wrote the that in my notes. The dragon mm-hmm. instinctually goes to protect Roku, similar yeah. to Appa. For, that's, I love that you <laughs> noticed that because I, oh, that was such a nice detail. So tiny, so tiny, mm-hmm. but so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One weird, unique application of firebending that I enjoy in this episode is Sozin uses firebending to pull like heat. Yeah, he's out of heat the bending. Oh, it's yeah. We it's, don't see that ever again. No, no, ready, no I don't think ready for this. Better do that. Cora spoilers. Cora spoilers. So mm-hmm. if you don't want to hear this, uh, no one's lava bending. I wish we just saw. Oh, may, oh, that might be a spoiler for Evan too. Fuck. I mean, so, I've watched. I've watched. Oh, okay, I just, <laughs> just realized that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, never mind. Yeah. We can skip that. Cut that out. And, no one needs to hear that. Um, and we see hints of that, you know, in terms of even in in book two, where both Katara and Toph are mud bending when yeah. they try mm-hmm. to take down the drill. You know, Love that. There has to be elements of where okay, when two elements are combined in one thing, it you know, both those types of benders should be able to bend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, I you could see where that could lead to other things being bendable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The other thought I had was um so well, when they first hold get on. to the I don't. I, I hate to cut you off, but it's about a point you brought up. Aang, okay. after he comes out, realizes there's good and bad in everyone because he sees it in the Fire Lord Sozin. That's mm-hmm. you know actually what really comes around him makes him come around to Zuko. Yeah, exactly. That's that's great. That's uh-huh. where Aang learns that from. I'm just piecing that together. I'm sorry. I didn't want. <laughs> no, I, I wanted right. to do yeah. it as it was happening. That's like <laughs> awesome because. Those are both his grandfathers. He yeah, literally, yeah. the good and bad in both of them. Aang comes away from it. He he sees that Roku even wasn't perfect. He, he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. He started this whole war. And so he literally is like, wow, you know, these two people, good friends, they made these mistakes, both good, evil. And he's like, that's how his friendship with Zuko forms. Oh my uh-huh. God, I love this show. <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I was going to say is that, um, so when the flashback goes to Roku's uh, island volcano erupting. And it's like, oh, you're you're battling a volcano and you're winning. And Roku's like, well, not, not really. <laughs> but Aang says, you're such a powerful, you know, Avatar, you're such a powerful bender. And then I was like, wait, didn't Aang battle a volcano in the fortune teller in season one and win? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was just funny to me that he's so (laughs) well. I want to. We can prop out Aang here. So they go through Roku learning the four elements, and Mm -hmm. he does. It takes him. He starts off as a teenager, and it's not Mm till he's a grown ass man that he learns all four elements. Where Aang is mastering elements in a year. Everyone, year, yeah. It's impressive. Uh Aang is. Aang is. A powerful bender. It goes back to the fortune teller when uh-huh. the fortune teller says, Katara, you're going to m- marry a very powerful bender. And Aang hits him with the goofy face because he knows. He knows he's he a powerful Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a great episode. Uh, there's yeah. a lot we could talk about there. Do you guys have any other points before we move on? 
Uh, not from episode six now. No. Okay, no. cool. I love that episode. Probably one of my favorites, like you said, Evan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Runaway. This is... Uh, yeah. I like this episode in the fact that we, you know, look at Katara and we kind of understand more of her motivation. And it's got that really touching Sokka moment where he's like, you know, when I think on uh, about my mom now, I actually, I can't even picture what she looks like. I just picture Katara. Mm-hmm. And that's like... It's sad, but it's also very heartwarming at the same time because it just shows yeah. the the relationship the two of them have. I, I love their relationship because it, it's very brother-sisterly, but you uh-huh. at times feel like and sense the love that they have for each other, the dependence they have for each other. Yeah. And I love that this episode shows all of their ingenuity, both hmm. in terms of being able to scam a city, <laughs> but it. also in terms of being able to in- escape situations, you know, when Toph and Katara are locked in that wooden cage, you yeah. know, since Toph can't metal bend, you know, Katara is creating her own water by sweating. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's <laughs> an honestly that get out of the cage. Yeah, that's a foreshadowing, literally for the next episode. It's crazy because yeah, well, I know, yeah. right? Yeah. How did it take us three right seasons to be like, oh, why aren't they using their sweat? Like you can make your own water. Yeah. yeah. There's water and everything. There's water and everything. I love that. I think my favorite of the scams is like the horse and buggy accident where she <laughs> <laughs> pretends to get run over. That was yes. so funny. Uh, yeah. Toph is a great character. And yeah. these episodes are really, they're like fun for her. Cause she's like you said, like it, it makes the touching moment at the end of, uh, you know, or, or, or do you really think friendships last more than a lifetime? It makes those more touching. Cause these episodes, she's just rough and tumble. Don't give a damn what anyone thinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have much for this episode, but I, I do want to talk about the puppet yet. master, but that's uh-huh. because I, Ooh. yeah, this is an episode like the, especially on rewatch. Yeah. I feel like as a kid, I knew I could feel the importance of this episode, but yeah. on rewatch, I was like, Oh shit. I it's was like, also, Oh shit. It's <laughs> so totally different from a lot of episodes and it uniquely stands out i mean they're starting the, the, the episode by telling scary stories and yeah that's the, yeah just, that's not like any other episode and just the 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 kind of horror thriller ish kind of theme and watching hama's journey um you know as a southern water tribe member being captured and locked in this prison where you know, similar to Katara, Hama is in this situation where on paper, you know, shouldn't be able to get out, but has to come up with this sort of ingenious uh, method of being able to escape. Mm-hmm. And whereas Katara did it with sweat, I mean, Hama used, you know, literal people um, as, as water and blood bending. I just, which wow. uh, talk about different forms of bl- bending. This is like, I mean, that how, checkmate. How do you stop like yeah. a bloodbender if <laughs> if you really bending people? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Blood, uh, 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 I, uh. And it also <laughs> like just picturing someone bloodbending on me like makes my skin kind of crawl. So they do um, a really yeah. good job of touching on that. I really like what you said, Aaron. This one has a different feel than like every other episode. It's like a horror movie, and, and I, I, well, I love of, scary uh, movies. Cora as well too. Yeah, yeah, this episode is a, it's a very important score, episode. Yeah. Very yeah. important. She's. You think Kama's the first bloodbender? I would say probably. I think so. Yeah. 
they don't reference any others. Yeah. At least Mama's creepy. It's funny because they start with scary stories and it turns into yeah. a real creepy episode. But mm. by the end of it, the important takeaway is Katara learns to bloodbend. Yes. And mm. I wrote down that quote because I remember that quote. Like just, just, I remember that old lady smile at the end when I was watching as a young kid. I was like, that really stuck with me. Like, uh-huh. my work is done. Congratulations, <laughs> Katara. You're a bloodbender. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. That that chills down my spine. Like yeah. I was, it was like, oh my goodness. That's and the good. guitar crying from yeah. the fact uh-huh. that, oh my God, now I have this, like. She has this horrible yeah. power now. I'm glad you brought up that line specifically because this is one, the one problem I have with this episode. She calls Katara out for being a bloodbender in a Fire oh. Nation village. <laughs> and no in front one. Of Fire Nation authorities in front of, in front of Fire Nation civilians. And no yes. one ble- bats an eye at it. It's like classic. Oh, fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they probably they're not listening to her. They just think she's the crazy old witch who's been kidnapping yeah. people. That's pretty funny though. I love that. Um, but I, I do like the tone of this episode. I, I love the blood bending as sick as it makes me seem. I think that's like such a that's like a cool application of water bending. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or even just someone, what about like someone has a glass of water? Just in the inside of them maybe i'm getting too gross but (laughs) yeah and looking at the season as a whole it's weird to have the juxtaposition of these episodes like like right before this puppet master we had the runaway yeah which was had its own feel the puppet master has this horror feel like the next episode is gonna have this almost surreal like nonsense like like having these three episodes next to each other Mm -hmm. yeah i like watching as a child that must have been like a whole like whiplash of, of emotions well this next one's yeah. interesting because it does take a totally different feel it feels yeah. like it, have you has anyone ever had a panic attack like before a big test or something or mm-hmm. like a job interview uh, oh i've had uh, those dreams i've had yeah those oh yeah and so <laughs> like theater I think dreams is, yeah, yeah. i forgot my line <laughs> Uh-huh. Like That's what great. show are we doing? When? Yeah. Showing up to school with no pants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one of them, he does show up with no pants in in his nightmares. What I love about his dreams is they're all like super anime. Yes. Like, and they're like, all- <laughs> yes. it's so, it's like way over the top. They get more and more over the top every time. Uh-huh. He's um, wearing the gear that he was wearing in um, Sokka's Master when he went to the shop and put on all that. The yeah. battle armor? Yeah. yeah. He was wearing armor. that one of them. Here's a note on the battle armor. I, I read a little bit about the episode because I was trying to look up to see if anyone had ever cosplayed that or anything. I couldn't find oh, anything. Yeah. But the inspiration for that armor, uh, that design was basically a fuck you to, to Nickelodeon because they wanted to sell Avatar merchandise. So they wanted oh. them to write in, like, mm. give him a cool sword or a battle flag and a shield so they would be Something able to sell, to sell separately. Something and sell. they even have a throwaway, like, joke about it. I forget what it is exactly, but... Love shit like that. that. Stick it to the man in that episode is so. I, I love, love that. that. Oh, wait, that so makes that even better. You know, I, I do have one last thing on the Puppet Master, um, mm-hmm. just because I noticed this and it's in my notes and I missed it. But so at one point when Hama is giving the flashback of how she became a prisoner, she's at the Southern water tribe and her and the other Southern water tribe waterbenders stop a fleet of fire nation ships Mm -hmm. and they freeze them right in their tracks. And it's the exact same ship that Aang and Katara explore in episode one. It's like shot for shot, the exact same. Wow. 
Yeah. And so I just thought that was a cool little detail. Like they didn't need yeah. to do that. I saw on Reddit um, in some of Hama's flashbacks, they think that she was friends with yeah, it's a, Katara's grandmother. It's a, it's a small, it's a small tribe. It's a very small mm-hmm. na- uh, Southern tribe there. Uh, but so nightmares and daydreams. I think this is a great episode because it's a really realistic look at like stress and like uh, uh, the stress a 12, 13 year old boy would feel in that situation. Uh, they sure. would probably go through a freak out and not be able to sleep. And it's great that it's like happening right before, like when he probably needs to rest the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we that's also, how I, that's how I get can't sleep the yeah. night before something important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is our first time spending like a considerable amount of time with fire Lord Ozai, who Ooh. I didn't know until I looked this up watching it this time around. Yeah is voiced by Mark Hamill, Luke, Luke Skywalker, Skywalker himself. Oh. Yep. Oh yeah. That, that was one. Oh. oh, you beat me to it. That's one of my two. I'm still going to wow. get you with this next yeah. one. I'm going to surprise you, That's but Mark right. Hamill is the voice of fire Lord Ozai. He loves voice acting. He's also the Joker and um, a decent the, amount of Batman stuff. Yeah. Did yeah. realize that? Yeah. That and so awesome. that, like you go back and you can hear, you can, you can it hear it. Wow. I will hear it. Well, I guess I'll hear it now, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love, um, you know, the parallel, you know, Zook and, Zuko and Aang are having a parallel stories this whole time. So mm-hmm. Zuko's also paranoid as well as Aang, but for different reasons. You know, you know, he and, and May are hanging out, and May is like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, you must have a hard time because of you know things like this war meeting that's coming up. And Zuko's like, what? What war meeting? And May is like, Az- Azula didn't tell you that there's this war meeting. Yeah, uh, and Zuko. The- sorry, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Zuko is super paranoid, though, because also the Fire Nation thinks the Avatar is dead Mm -hmm. and Azula has given Zuko all the credit, which, you know, seems like a loving Mm -hmm. sisterly move. But when she explains it as, oh, well, if the Avatar's dead, then you have nothing to worry about, you know, unless he's still out there for any reason. A master manipulator. Yeah, unreal, because she doesn't need the credit. She doesn't need the credit of killing Mm -hmm. the Avatar, but Zuko Mm -hmm. does need it. And so so it instantly gets caught in Zuko's head, Katara's magic water, and he's like, ah, the Avatar's probably not dead. He's like, (laughs) knowing my luck, the Avatar's just not dead. There's no way uh, Mm -hmm. with that water and Mm -hmm. Azula being all suspicious. So... Mm -hmm. On top of, you know, not knowing about war meetings, he's just in constant like paranoia, which anyone uh, who's played any sort of reality game, Survivor or anything like that, living in constant paranoia is hard AF. (laughs) (laughs) It's not easy. But yes, similar paths, Zuko and Aang, that's what we were talking about. They're on similar paths right now because they're both leading up to, I mean, this two-part episode that we're about to come up to. They're both, Zuko at this point is is making up his mind. You know what I mean? He's Mm -hmm. on the cusp of saying, I'm out. (laughs) I'm out of here. But whereas Aang, you know, he thinks he's about to stop this whole war, which, ah, it's unfortunate. I think we should just jump into the next episode. It's it's. It's the, the a big part son. of yeah, yeah, big part of the whole season. Um, this is the invasion plan. This is where the solar eclipse is going to come into play that we learned about mm-hmm. in season two, and they're going to invade the Fire Nation and they're going to take out the Fire Lord in these eight minutes of solar mm-hmm. eclipse. And Ambitious, yeah. 
You know, I thinking of a whole series arc, I find it funny how the whole point of book two was, hey, we found out this information. We need Crucial. to tell the Earth King that there's this solar eclipse that we're going to attack the Fire Nation. But in doing that, that also became their undoing because the Earth King himself told Azula when she was disguised as a Kyoshi warrior that mm-hmm. we're coming. And that's the very thing that's going to screw them over was the whole thing that they've they were trying to, you know, so desperately, they had to tell this information. And that's what, that's what did them in. Ugh. Yeah. And this, they, I think as a kid, they fooled me. This like has series finale vibes. Yes, it really it did. Yeah. It has series finale vibes. And as a kid, probably not knowing how many episodes are in a season, I probably was fooled into thinking this was, this was it. They're going to, they're going to take out the fire Lord here. Uh, you know what I think, you know what I think they did too? If I'm not mistaken, like it was like months before they aired the second half of the season. They like they literally waited a long time. Where, yeah. Yeah. They literally had Day of Black Sun as the finale in November of 2007. And they didn't air the rest of the season until oh, wow. the summer of 2008. Oh my God, you're right. I, I have it up <laughs> on my screen too, and I didn't even. <gasps> yeah, like wow. they, they, they waited they a while, so they made fooled. You think this is this is the end? It's Day yeah. of Black Sun. Yes, <laughs> plans are <laughs> because That's, if you knew there was 15 billion episodes afterwards, yeah. I mean, you're not gonna. You would know. You know like, yeah, you would. But know. it starts. Off, the episode starts off with Aang and Katara really expressing their feelings for each other and sharing a kiss. This is their mm-hmm. first kiss, and yeah. We know how they end up, but it's really cute. It's very cute because they they think they're going into war. Aang literally says, "What if I don't return?" Like, mm-hmm. ooh, like uh, this is it. This is this is what we've been waiting for, and it's just a big goddamn tease. It's a oh, so they create the best invasion plan possible. They get uh-huh. past these fiery gates by creating submarines first off uh, so i'm skipping things they gather up all the baddest warriors they know all the smartest people and they invade the fire nation they Sokka creates a submarine he is the Mm -hmm. first person to that granted they do use water bending to move Mm -hmm. the submarine but who cares how you're doing it you're doing it and yeah so they get in and this is barring the final scene the final fight scene this is my favorite fight of the season, them yeah. and invading the Fire Nation, because we just see so many different, like, because not all the water tribe are waterbenders, but mm-hmm. they're fighters. And then we have a different a bunch of earthbenders who are riding these tanks that we've seen in Boston, say, and dropping rocks off. We have waterbenders, and then we have Aang, who's on a stealth mission. This is just, this ha- feels so intense. You could feel the energy around this episode. Uh, I'm just going to yeah. comment because this was interspersed throughout the, the war scenes. But I have to say, I loved the scenes of Iroh in this episode. The interactions between him and Ming. I love Ming so much. Ming. Very, Ming very... is the voice. Does anyone know who Ming's voice is? Now, I, I heard that voice and I went, wow, how did I not hear this voice before? Because clearly this is this person must be very like i want to say it must be an artist or some famous it is serena williams the tennis player she's a fan she was a fan she was a fan reached out and said can i i I want a cameo so cool (laughs) how great is that that voice stuck out to me i was like i'm a big tennis guy and so when i heard it i was like i i know this voice and i had to look it up instantly (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so she's Ming and Ming is great. Ming is so sweet to Iris. She's the only nice one. The rest of the guards are huge dicks. And he uh, told her to take the day off and not be there that afternoon. Say that you're sick. Beautiful. Get, get out. He's like, you, <laughs> you should probably not be here. Yeah. Love it. I love that because that's like so Iroh. Show compassion to the one person who showed him compassion mm-hmm. in, in his time of need. Because um, we're not getting a ton of Iroh this whole season. And no. it's understandable because the original voice actor did pass away. And But I do think it plays well for Zuko's story arc. Yeah, he can't, he can't rely anything. on Iroh. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. can't rely on Iroh. You know, Iroh gave him his last bit of info that he needed to in the mm. fact that his grandfather, his great-grandfather is Fire Lord Zozin and his other great-grandfather was Avatar Roku. So that was... Iroh's real last big lesson for Zuko and Iroh breaks out of jail during the eclipse. He's been waiting yeah, for this moment also. We don't see him for a while. And he takes that. off. And I successfully had fooled my younger brother. I said that was actually the last we see of Iroh. <laughs> he was like, what? No! Uh, but so that's, but like I said, that's good for Zuko's character development. Mm-hmm. So while I don't like losing Iroh, um, it's good for the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna make a small comment about some of the inventions that we had. Ooh, I love yeah. Egg's new glider. I love the new snack compartment. Of course, very convenient. love. I, it's it's realistic. I need a snack compartment. Yes. <laughs> um, and do we want to go to the second half of the episode, the eclipse part? Before yeah, so, we move on, uh, going back to using hair as a symbol before okay. they start the battle, Aang shaves his head again. It's time oh. for him to reveal. You know, he's the Avatar. He's still alive. Mm-hmm. Also, I love the character redesign. His outfit's a little bit different than the traditional air monk yeah. robe that he wears. And I was looking at it the other day and I was like, hmm, his shoes are different than the ones he wears in season two. And it's because he still has his, he's wearing his Fire Nation pants and boots. Oh, yeah. In season, for the remainder of season three, he doesn't go back to just wearing an air monk robe. Um, but it's, it's just such a small thing of like, he is taking from all of his experiences. He needed his time in the fire nation. It's part of his identity. Now this, you know, uh, this journey to redeeming the fire nation or saving the world and trying to stop their conquest. Yeah. First he had to live there and be among the people. And it's part of who he is now. And I think going back to the headband, he and the at wow. So going back to the headband and the avatar and the fire lord, Aang is learning. Oh, the fire nation's not all evil. Uh, they're being taught that these things. Like if if kids are being taught something, do you blame the kid for thinking that? No, that's that's a gray area. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like the kids in the fire nation, Zuko touches on it in this episode. They're taught to believe that they are the greatest nation in the world, and so. Aang is realizing not everyone here is a bad guy. And that's like mm-hmm. a big part of Aang's character development because he's even able to see, I guess, redeeming qualities in, in the Fire Lord himself, the biggest baddie of them all. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he's taking even just the clothing from the Fire Nation, the learnings yeah. that he's, he's taken from, there's good and evil in everyone. It's a, it's a nice symbol. I like that a lot. But on to part two. Yeah. Yes. And I just remember, I, I, I want to apologize for earlier. I don't know what name I said. I think it was a friend of mine that has a similar name to Jack DeSena. I don't know why. I don't know what name I said earlier, but I know Jack DeSena is the name of Sokka's 
uh, his voice, voice actor. Voice actor. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Right. yeah. Well, wait, I missed it too. No worries. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but the second episode is where we get, well, there's a lot before it, but this is Zuko confronting his father. Yep. This is great. So Zuko, the first part of the episode is basically we see him gathering his stuff and he leaves a note and it's kind of ambiguous what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. uh, we, us knowing what he's doing, it makes sense what he's building up to. Uh, but probably the first time watching it, I was like, I wonder what Zuko is doing here. You know, they're, yeah. they're invading. He needs to figure out what's going on, but yeah. uh, he's about to confront his dad. And that's one of my favorite moments in the series, but there's a lot before we get there. Uh, yeah. There's Azula being crazy. Oh, well, so we miss, I, I skipped over the best part of all. Aang shows up to the fire temple, the where the fire Lord hangs out and it's empty. Mm-hmm. Everyone's gone because they've been warned. Uh, they've known the he's whole so time. Angry too, yeah. Yo, he is. He's so angry. He's out of, he's like uncharacteristically angry, but this goes back to his like failures. He's had so many failures. He's uh-huh. like, no, I cannot let this be another one. And he can feel it starting to slip from his grasp. Well, I thought it was interesting that Zuko was facing his father while Aang was facing Azula. So the fact that he's standing up to his father for the first time, um, I remember writing down, you know, um, I was like, you learn nothing. And Zuko says, no, I've learned everything. Yeah. You know, I had, had to kind uh-huh. of really be out on my own and, and really having to, to teach himself, like, you know, seeing, um, and he's, you know, Ozai is asking Zuko why he's not killing him. And Zuko says, well, that's the Avatar's destiny, you know, um, and, and him kind of coming to that realization and him kind of realizing that, you know, I, all this time he was chasing his father's approval when really that wasn't, you know, the most important thing that he mm-hmm. should have been going after. I love it. I love this whole scene. Uh, when Zuko, I, I touched on it when he says that was the greatest lie ever told. And he realizes that, like you said, he's like, I'm, it's not my destiny to overtake you. It's the avatars. He's like, I'm going to help the avatar do that. He's, he is what, Iroh has been instilling in him has really taken root. He's going to help restore balance to the world. Mm -hmm. And that Zuko realizes Zuko killing his father would not have the intended result that he needs. It would just perpetuate Uh, the cycle of violence. Yeah. 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 No one in the, no one in the fire nation would respect Zuko. It'd be like an assassination attempt. Mm -hmm. Whereas the avatar stepping in, the avatar is the peacekeeper of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is where he gives his big speech about being disillusioned with the Fire Nation and a call back to season two. He says everyone hates the Fire Nation and he's thinking precisely of Katara, of Lee, the little boy he uh, met in the Earth Kingdom. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's great because Zuko's travels, you it's, it's such an earned moment. And I talk yeah. about these because Zuko has gone through so much turmoil and we've seen Iroh try to teach him these lessons and him be so reluctant to learn them that his travels, his interactions with others, we see these things start to take root. And we do see some of Iroh's teachings rub up, rub off on him, but when it's too late, because he now wants to go free Iroh, but he doesn't realize that Iroh has Dipskied. He took off on his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, that's got to be so disappointing if you're Zuko to feel like, okay, I finally am making the right decision. And then to feel like you're too late, though. Oh, that's uh-huh. like a gut punch. That's rough. Yeah. That's got to hurt. 
but that's all part of uh, Zuko's story is just painted in a lot of suffering, hardship, pain. Mm -hmm. And it's rough to watch him go through this because he's trying just so hard. He's trying so hard to do what's right. And it's not easy for him. And this is his first real big step towards being a good guy. He's, uh-huh. he's going to be one of the good guys now. Yeah. It's an exciting time for I Team know. Avatar. <laughs> yes. It's great. Uh, one thing I liked in this was, like you mentioned, uh, Azula and Ozai. No, not yeah. Azula and Ozai are both stalling. In this scene, Azula's doing it by staying silent. Uh, Sokka is just yelling at her, where is Suki? Where is Suki? And she's just staying silent. Where Ozai starts tempting Zuko with the story of his mother to stay. Because Zuko mm-hmm. was about to leave. But Oz- they both want to stall till the eclipse is over, which they both successfully do. I think it's interesting. One took the silent approach and the other took the, I'm going to talk your ear off with a story you want to hear. We do learn that Zuko's mother is still alive. That's pretty emotional for him. He's always assumed that she was dead. Uh-huh. But so that's the day of the black sun is a failure. Uh, they all get captured. Uh, not all of them. So the kids, the young ones, team avatar, plus a couple of random side uh, younger side character, younger side characters. They take off on Appa and everyone else uh, stays to be a prisoner, which is rough yeah. because it's another failure. It's another they leave. Failure. Aang is just crying. Aang is bawling as he, as they leave. And uh, it's, I also appreciate the, the speech he gives. He, he says, oh. thank you for your sacrifice. Like, I know I failed you guys, but I'm going to make it up to you. Mm-hmm. I am going to end this war. It's like, yes, he is emotional, but he steps up because first two seasons, he's, not fully come to terms with the responsibility of being an avatar. Now he's really stepped into the role and he knows he has to be a leader, even despite being so young, uh, he has to like, he he carries himself with a lot more uh, gravitas like this time around. I noticed the same thing. He's in a very emotional state. He's so upset that he failed, but he still is able to compose himself and give a very like short, concise, I'm sorry I failed you. I'm going to make this up to you. Mm-hmm. And if you can feel it, you can feel it in his, his tone. I'm glad you called that out because I noticed that too. Uh, but so it's a failure. We, we see a lot of failure for Team Avatar, but this one like really hurts. And maybe it's yeah. because it had that series finale vibe. We were all really expecting a win. Mm-hmm. Another misdirect they've pulled on us. These, these misdirects they've been pulling all season long. Um, but so Zuko takes off from the fire nation. He's going to go find team avatar. Mm -hmm. And that's really what this whole next episode is about is Zuko shows up, uh, to team avatar. Well, so they show up at, they all show up at the Western air temple, which is really cool. It's a bunch of buildings all upside down. And I love that Toph is the first one to see it because of course she'd be able to see it with her feet. So, (laughs) Uh, they show up and it's all these upside down temples. And this whole episode is about Zuko trying to, Join the, join the team. Yeah. And this, you know, watching this live was, I mean, as I, as I noted before, I mean, we have an eight month gap and I remember they were, I think it was like the Sozin's Comet special or something. Cause they aired all of the rest of the season, like every day, like in a row. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at it. So like it, it used to be, you know, week by week by week, we took an eight month break and then middle of July, 
episode episode i was like <laughs> they so wow. uh similar to the way somebody would watch it now so i feel like the book three can kind of be split in these two halves because mm-hmm. um i mean this second half i love the second half so much you know the first half had a lot of gems but the second half has some of my top five episodes yeah Story-wise, uh, I think I talked about it in the last episode, but each season follows a similar structure where it's the first half are the standalone adventures. Uh, you know, they usually resolve themselves within the episode. And then the second uh-huh. half is really the sprint to the finish line mm-hmm. of that season. Um, season two, uh, when they're in Bossing City, just 10 straight episodes of of this, you know, almost Game Game of Thronesian type political story and then season three now we're now we're nearing the actual finish line we're gonna finish the story of the hundred year war which is so they know that sozin's comet is coming and sozin's comet is going to be the opposite of the solar eclipse in the fact that the firebenders are going to be i don't even know like extreme firebenders what do you they're just Uh their firebendings turned up to 10 it's it's intense and it's it's coming quick they knew it was coming but they the eclipse was kind of their last hope before the comment. So now they get to the Western air temple and they realize we need to find Aang a firebending teacher that we, mm-hmm. he needs to learn firebending if he's going to beat the fire Lord. And Aang is really reluctant at first. He's, and I think that's kind of how I would be after like failing. I'd be like, no, let's just chill for a minute. We got to let's explore <laughs> the temple. Let's hang out. Um, but they're like, no, Aang, we you know, we need to get to this. Like, this is this is it. This is crunch time. So mm-hmm. I absolutely love that when I'm looking at these release dates, it is literally July 14th, July 15th, July 16th, July 17th, wow. July 18th. Like they literally they, aired it every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the four-part final series all aired on the 19th. I love that because wow. it this last set of series does have kind of a, a bigger sense of urgency to it in everything mm-hmm. that they do. Yeah. Not just like we need a firebending teacher and then Zuko all of a sudden is here and going to teach them firebending, but now he can't. It's like, Oh my God, <laughs> it's another obstacle. And then obviously the boiling rock has its own stakes, but th- I, I don't know. That's really cool what they do with the release dates, because I think that really adds to the series finale of it all. The, the, the stakes, the stakes seem high. Mm-hmm. I love that. Very high stakes. Yeah. So Western air temple, the one that kicks all this off mm-hmm. uh, also bring brings back combustion man. Yeah. This is probably the best Zuko quote. That's not like him in agony when he <laughs> says, Hello, Zuko here. Like, it's just so innocent, and it's so nothing we've ever seen from Zuko before. I know. I loved his impersonation of Iroh and Azula when he was in the forest trying to figure out how to talk to Team Avatar and convince them to join them. He's very vulnerable here for the first time. Mm -hmm. He's taken really his first steps on his own. Even when he was, like, in double exile in book two he still had a goal of like accomplishing the, like it was his father's goal. He still had a goal to get back on track in his father and the fire nations to that. This is really him paving his own first steps. And this actually has a flashback of Iroh. They snuck in my favorite Iroh quote of the season here. Um, It's like a couple weeks after Zuko gets burned by his father and exiled in the Agni Kai. And he says, 
You know, Prince Zuko, destiny is a funny thing. You never know how things are going to work out. But if you keep an open mind and an open heart, I promise that you will find your own destiny someday. And so Zuko has been so focused on his destiny is finding the Avatar, finding and capturing the Avatar, finding and capturing the Avatar. He had like half of it, right? He did need to find the Avatar. Yeah. But he, it, it, so I just love that because like even Iroh knew from the beginning of their journey, uh, Zuko, you're a little misguided here. You know, let's, uh, uh, you probably, you're going to find your own destiny one day, dude. You just need mm-hmm. to give it some time. And I like that he says, if you keep an open mind and an open heart, it'll come to you. Because I, I really do believe that um, if you're feeling any sort of lost in life, if you keep an open mind and an open heart and listen, you, you'll find what you're supposed to be doing and, and what's uh, what's the right path per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing that finally brings team avatar around or Aang at least is they reject Zuko at first and he goes away and he, this is when he's in the woods trying to figure out what to say to be accepted in the group. And then Toph goes and seeks him out. Cause she's the only one like, he's the only firebender who's going to work with us right now. You guys are all being stupid. I, and I want to touch on this. I also uh-huh. think she, as the new person in the group is more like, guys, I have, you accepted me at my faults be- mm-hmm. for the bigger mission. And she kind of has that almost outsider perspective of like, look, Zuko wants to teach you firebending and we need a firebender. She's yeah. the only one thinking about it logically. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't really think of it till now, but she has had very little exposure to Zuko while no. they're in Boston. Like- she only sees him for the one encounter at the very end so she has no background with them but and she met iroh too so i mean i know true. iroh and toph have a good mm-hmm. really, yeah mm-hmm. and then they met again when they were fighting azula in that and they were they were like cool with each other yeah. they were like yeah. oh hey yeah they were like, What's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah but so zuko is surprised to see well he did he's startled by her and accidentally firebends at her and burns her feet that's um, so rough because yeah. he like she was reaching he reached out and they denied it. And then she was like, I'm going to reach out. Mm-hmm. And then he fucked it up. And it's like, yeah. oh, no, Zuko, you were so I close. Know, <laughs> but she, yeah, but to her credit, she doesn't hold it against him. No, and she doesn't. That's when Aang is able to see like, oh, this is what I was afraid of. Uh, when I had first started learning with Jung Jung is that I hurt someone I was very close to. When he and, apologizes you know, to Toph. Yeah, like you can have the best of intentions and you can still make a mistake. And he sees that yeah. in Zuko now. And that's what Roku taught him. There's good mm-hmm. and evil in everyone. And he's like, oh, I need to apply this to Zuko here mm-hmm. because I need a firebending teacher. Yeah. And you, they go through uh, uh, Zuko's random good deeds when he was the blue spirit and saved Aang, when uh-huh. he freed Appa. I think it's so cute that Appa lo- likes Zuko. That's like such oh, a nice yeah. touch. He, he <laughs> just keeps licking him. Yeah, it's a nice little detail because yeah. Zuko saved him. But mm-hmm. so... It's not a perfect start to the relationship, but Zuko does work his way into the group. And it's so cute because Zuko, once they finally do say, okay, well, you you can teach Aang. He's like, oh, I I promise I won't let you down. And he's got the biggest smile on his face and they all just like swerve him. They all just turn it. Okay, well, I'll see you tomorrow. And (laughs) it's rough. Zuko always has these like, 
these constant up and downs. Like, I know. Uh, it's mm-hmm. so rough watching it sometimes. He, <laughs> he even screams. He's like, why am I so bad at being good? <laughs> the other, I don't want to gl- gloss over the fact that this episode, in the, towards the beginning of it, we see the end of Combustion Man. We do. He's followed yep. them to the Western Air Temple. Zuko even attempts to intervene and fights Combustion Man. So He puts his life on the line yeah. for them. Yeah, he, he puts his money where his mouth is. Um, and the one who actually is able to stop Combustion Man, Sokka, throws yeah. trusty old boomerang at him, hits him that in the third shot. eye. That yeah. shot, though. Yeah. Great. I loved it. And you know what? I feel like they really guided us through it. His uh-huh. like He was like, okay, so he's coming from this angle, and he's like, I got to go this far out. Mm-hmm. And I love uh-huh. the sound the boomerang makes. The Love it. So that is a great scene. I love when they give Sokka his due credit. And then Combustion oh, yeah. Man, his abilities are messed up because he's dazed and he blows himself up off the side of a cliff. Similar to how he lost it's his arm. Cra- and like- yeah, it's a crazy end to what an interesting character. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I would love to know more about Combustion Man. I would watch a series about him. Yeah. <laughs> I would I watch would, a yeah. Mandalorian style series about Combustion Ooh. Man. Wouldn't Ooh. that be cool? Yeah, you've yeah, actually piqued my interest now a little when you, <laughs> when you compared it to the Mandalorian. That's good. Um so this is a good episode. Zuko is now part of the team, but not f- friends with the team. Is that fair uh-huh. to say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be a, f- a fair assessment. I make. love at the end, Sokka gives him a room. He's like, here you go. Uh, home for now. Uh, <laughs> lunch in 10, I guess. Like, it's just, it's so <laughs> awkward for everyone. Uh, yeah. It's great. And then this next episode, uh, I think it, I hate doing it because then it puts so much pressure. I think it's my favorite episode, though. I, I, I have it's my, a great my, episode. Yeah. My favorite episode's a weird one, which will be coming up. But okay, you'll, you'll and so I, I think this is my favorite episode. I think this is where you've really come to terms with what fire bending is not just mm-hmm. evil anger mm-hmm. rage because zuko mm-hmm. well i mean that's what the whole story is about is zuko needs to learn the true source of firebending which iro yeah. you know long time ago had been trying to teach him where the true source of firebending came from but zuko mm-hmm. didn't listen typical nope. zuko but they so zuko can't firebend and he needs to teach Aang firebending so they go on a mission to try to find the original source of firebending at the Sun Temple. And we talked about these people a little bit, but it looks when we first get there to be this ancient abandoned civilization, similar to like, I would compare like the Mayans looked like mm-hmm. similar to their kind of their buildings and stuff. Um, but this is such a cool episode. I, I just from start to finish it. And it's got like some really nice moments. They get in there and like Aang is like, dance with me, Zuko. In this episode, it feels like Aang is ready to fully embrace Zuko. They start the episode and he goes, you know, usually we start our adventures on a more upbeat note. And I don't know why that's like, so Aang is like ready to embrace Zuko. And by the end of this episode, they have that bond that's going to be crucial for the rest of this season. So maybe that's why I, you know, I've never equated it to that, but I think maybe part of the reason I really like this is this is their first shared experience. Their Mm -hmm. stories have been parallel till this point. And this is the point where they, they come to some life changing bending. It's, oh, it's great. It's great for so many reasons. Oh yeah. I don't know if this is a direct quote, but I, I, it feels like something Iroh said, but he said, uh, someone said fire bending comes from the breath. And so in this episode, Mm -hmm. Zuko and Aang are going on their first, uh, adventure together. Zuko can no longer fire bend like he used to, and he has to relearn how to, and he has to do it 
with an airbender like a breath of fresh air like i, I don't know just oh, a weird <laughs> i got you it's a, yeah because he's relearning something that he knows need, yeah they're exactly yeah. what the other needs wow. uh it's great mm-hmm. so they they run into these ancient sun warriors who are ancient firebenders don't look like they know anything about modern civilization um and they take them to the first ever flame i don't know why i i love that love this giant flame and they give them each a piece of it and they got to mm-hmm. take it up the mountain to the masters, the firebending masters, the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we had a little bit of a, um, of a, a side comment that was made when, um, when they first arrived, when Zuka was explaining to Aang, well, you know, dragons don't exist anymore because Sozin had this tradition of hunting dragons for glory and, and, and power and, you know, Iro came, you know, Iro came up here as the dragon of the West and kind of, you know, took out the last remaining dragon, call mm-hmm. it a day. So they yeah. must not be here anymore, which no. turns out to be well, false. But yeah, yeah but uh, no one's seen a dragon. It's funny yeah. because Egg, being the 112 year old man, he's like, there was dragons back when I was around. What are you talking about? There's no dragons anymore. <laughs> and so I, that's another just typical Fire Nation. Like that's like part of their heritage history. That would be something that, firebenders take pride in is like killing a majestic beast like that well it's also a smart move on sozin's part because he's making sure that the next avatar won't have a firebending master because no one in the fire nation would work against their conquest so he's getting rid of all the original firebending masters oh that's good i I love the slight touches to that and it's not something they did a hundred years ago it's like a newer tradition if you will but mm-hmm. it was so popular that yeah. all the dragons are now extinct. So uh, it's great, though, because they take this fire and Aang is really struggling with it. The, the firebending teacher, teach, tell, a firebending master tells them that, you know, too, too weak and your fire will die, too strong and you're going to lose control of your fire. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the two problems they have. Zuko's can't control his where Aang can't keep his lit. Mm-hmm. And they make it to the top of the mountains and there's this great ceremony. And this is a small, this is just funny. But so when they start banging on the drums and doing the chanting, that is the it's same music. It's, it's the same music. music. Yeah, yeah. At the end of each episode. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like since we've heard these sun warriors since episode Sun-war one music since yeah. the very As, beginning. I love it's it. so, it's such a weird detail because the first time I heard it, I didn't even equate it to the ending music. Yeah. But then the second time I was like, Wait, that's in every episode. This little yeah. beat and melody they're doing. It's it, so ties, it ties this uh, community, this ancient society, to the history of the show. Even though they only appear in one episode, they're inextricably a part of the history of this world with an identifiable music musical element that we all recognize instantly. It's, it's a stroke of genius. Yeah, it's, and it's it's so interesting too. thinking about, you know, when Ren and Shaw come out, how, you know, the way that they bonded with them was through dance. And that was something that the Fire Nation themselves had gotten rid of exactly. over 100 years ago yeah. when they started hunting these dragons. And that being, you know, part of the very source of fire, you know, them losing their way um, is so I just I just love those subtle details like that mm-hmm. of. Yeah, they've really lost their way. They're not Mm -hmm. even dancing. And literally the dragons respond only to the dance of the dragons. Mm -hmm. That is such a great detail. I did not put that together. But, and then it ties back to what Evan's saying is the fire, not only does Zuko need a breath of fresh air, so does the Fire Nation. 
as a whole. They need true, a breath yeah. of fresh air. What comes they through? <laughs> oh my God. This show is literally so freaking good with these connections that they make. They're so, yeah. so uh, I, I, and I almost wonder if it's like having the four elements, they have such <laughs> dif- distinctive characteristics that like, I, I genuinely think they were like, these are our four characters in this world. And now we just build mm-hmm. a story around it. Because it, it, it is in every element of the story, the, the different... Ah, oh, it's so great. I love that dancing tidbit, though, because they literally, earlier in the episode, no one in the Fire Nation dances, <laughs> but the dance of the dragons is what saves them from the dragons destroying them. Yeah, there's a small character moment that I really love. Right when they get to the top, Aang's fire goes out, and he's, like, scrambling. He's like, just give me some of your fire. Like, let me copy off your homework real quick. It's like, no cheating. Yeah, (laughs) it's just, like, they feel very much like like brothers at that point, or, you know, are very close friends. There's, like, a level of comfort and and, uh, vulnerability between them that I love. Yeah, he's literally like, give me some of your fire. And Zuko's like, no, get your own. (laughs) He goes, make your own. That's what he says. Uh, That's great. But so this is a great episode. The dragons are not extinct. Iroh lied to protect them. What an Classic Iroh move. move. Yeah, what an Iroh I know. move. Iroh's that. not even in the episode and he's pulling up classic Iroh moves. Yeah. That's that's good storytelling when you can have like a story of one of your characters be like, ah, that's classic mm-hmm. like, Iroh. Oh, he would do yeah, that. Yeah, he would do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to even see his influence at the start of the, the next episode when Zuko's serving tea to everybody to start off. Oh, yeah. Like that, oh, like that's God. just like, like, it's just. Could, let's, like, oh, let's go into the next episode. I didn't mm-hmm. even think about that, but that's, a, that's literally a thing he learned from Iroh. That we, <laughs> he, in the tea shop, he didn't know yeah. how to make tea and then serving they ran tea. a tea shop. That is so, and I feel almost dumb missing that one. That's an Iroh thing. He loves tea. Yeah. Um, This is a great episode too. This is part of what I'm saying. These stakes feeling higher and higher. Uh, The Boiling Rock part one and two. Sokka has decided he's not okay with everyone still just being in jail. Mm. Which kudos to him. Not saying Aang, Katara, and Toph are, but he's like, He's, 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 he's fed up with it. And I, I, I respect that. He's fed up to the point where he's going to take action. That's what, that's how I want to yeah. phrase that. You know what he says to Zuko though? What? He says, I need to regain my honor. Shut oh. up. No, he, he doesn't. Does. Yes. No, he, he does. doesn't. He says that in the episode. Ah! <laughs> it's fantastic. So good. Yeah. So good. This show, yeah. this show, every time you watch what? this show, you pick up it, on yeah. more and more things. What? That so this, this half of the season starts with the group struggling to accept Zuko. Right, but I'll be back, all... guys. I'm going to go find this. I have to watch the whole episode over again. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, he says I need to regain my honor because he's talking about the failure at the, the Day of Black Sun. But like, so uh... this part of the season, they it starts with them struggling to accept Zuko, but then each, you know, as they each have their one-off adventures with him, they all see or maybe the audience sees and maybe they don't but they have to learn that there's a bit of zuko in all of them yeah Mm -hmm. well i think this one in particular just logistically i agree with you that they all learn from zuko and realize he's part of the team logistically there are just a couple times he flat out just saves Sokka's life so i just actionable things if Sokka had any doubt he's like no 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 me and this man have been to war together and, and we've, we've been there for each other and, and Sokka reciprocated as well. There's a few times they save each other. So yeah. I, I loved that in this episode because 
he did a few episodes before he was very, he was like, I'll, I'll take, I'll trust Aang's word on it. Aang was the only one very ready to accept him. And Sokka mm-hmm. here has to, and it's great. Yep. I love it. Uh, you get the great quote when they're heading to the boiling rock, which is the boiling rock is like an Alcatraz like prison, but in a volcano lake, I guess you'd call mm-hmm. it. So it's a boiling lake. Yeah. But so as they're fl- flying to this volcanic boiling lake, uh, you get the great line of they're they're having they're having their bro moment. Uh, you know, they're talking about girls. Uh, uh, Sokka makes fun of Zuko's girl. He's like. He's like, yeah, I, I have a girlfriend back home. Her name's May. He's like, the gloomy one? That's how he's hanging around Azula? And it's so cute. Zuko goes, yeah. And he smiles. That's all he says. And so, but then you get the great line of, uh, he's like, well, I'm sorry, man. He was my last girlfriend turned into the moon. And Zuko goes, that's rough, buddy. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah, it's such a great quote. quote. Uh, but What's funny is he talks about his last girlfriend, Yue, and they're going to the Boiling Rock to find the prisoners mm-hmm. from the Day of Black Sun. But when they actually get there, the first person they find is none other than Suki from the Kiyoshi Warriors, who's going to be his new girlfriend. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's funny. They start the note talking about love lives and Sokka's ends on a real good note. And Zuko's ends on a real good note, actually. Oh, mm-hmm. I love the bookends. The bookends. They start <laughs> yeah. the episode by flying to the prison, talking about their love lives kind of being in the dumps. Uh-huh. And they're both their love lives by the end of this two-part episode mm-hmm. are, are rekindled. In, are rekindled. <laughs> ah! And and for and for those of you who have watched The Dragon Prince, I can say that I can see the influence of both the firebending masters and the boiling rock on some of the um the elements that come into play in the dragon prince uh well we're definitely gonna have to watch that. <laughs> definitely gonna have to watch that okay yeah uh but so this episode's great because it's a good old classic prison break who doesn't love a prison break episode um this book has everything Mm-hmm. I know this, but that's why I'm saying is like book two, when I went back and did like just a rewatch of just book two, I was very much like, Oh, this is the best book. This is the best book they have. And then I rewatched these and I was like, uh, no, but book three is definitely the best still. I was like, it's so good. <laughs> it's got so much action. It's got mm-hmm. a lot of comedy still, but just like the themes and the stories on this one are next level. And uh, it's just, it's, <sighs> It's really great. So they find Suki and they're going to break out the three of them. And then at the last minute, they stay because there's new prisoners coming. And it's a good mm-hmm. thing they stay because it is Sokka's dad, uh, yeah. which is great. They're gonna bre- now they're going to break out all of them. I'm going to say part two is a very important episode, especially for Azula. Because I feel like oh. this is, this is the, this is, I think this is the huge breaking point for Azula. I is agree. When... May and Tylee, you know, end up betraying, betraying Azula uh-huh. yeah. and letting Zuko escape with the prisoners. And Tylee is chi blocking Azula before she could hurt May. You know, May saying, I love Zuko more than I fear you. It's powerful. And yeah. That's the reason why I was like, ooh, wow. Azula's all about fear. And Jay, you should have fear me more and try yeah. to, like, yeah. yeah. And like her her realizing that she did not have the influence on her friends that she thought she did. And she didn't really know them the way she thought she did. It's her first crack. It's the, the crack is from love. 
which I think mm-hmm. for Azula is a very important thing because, you know, even from the beach, Azula had mentioned, you know, my own mother thought I was a monster, but I don't care. Um, and I think being jealous of others of having love for each other or, you know, her feeling like mother always loves Zuko more than me. Uh-huh. My friends love Zuko more than me. Oh my God. <laughs> How dare they? Wow. And that starts yeah. the whole, yeah, that starts the whole. For her, it's like, why does everyone this? love Zuko more than me? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's mm-hmm. good. That mm-hmm. is real good. Yeah. Oh my. I, so you get, you get the sense that it may entirely betraying Azula is important to her unraveling later mm-hmm. in the series, but the way you just were able to connect it to her, even though she doesn't care about her mother's love, it mm-hmm. comes back to love as a whole. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, that is so good. I had a, I, whoo. That's a good point. <laughs> Very astute. Yeah, yeah. That's new for I felt me. like I, I understood Azula a lot more after after you know rewatching this again and, and getting so, it like fresh yeah. in my mind. So With to take it back, years of experience, you know. Uh, yes, th- and that's what's great about this is you come at it from a different perspective. Like I'm an adult now; I've had different experiences in my life. You mm-hmm. appreciate how realistic a lot of these emotions are, a lot of these feelings, a lot of these, if these events were to be happening, how it would be. So uh, to just to take it back a little, I think a really great part in the episode, which leads to May's betrayal is when Zuko and her are just talking one-on-one in the jail. He hits her with the line. She was like, why did you run away and break my heart? And he goes, I needed to do this. I have to save my country. She goes, save your country. You're betraying your country. And he goes, that's not how I see it. He doesn't need to explain it. He doesn't need to get into how wrong she is. He just Uh says, that's not how I see it anymore. And that is a perfect encapsulation of Zuko's uh, uh, learnings. Like from Iroh, he's, I'm going to do what's right. I know what's right. I'm sorry you don't feel that way right now. But I, yeah. I can still have love for you too. Like I, that's wow. not how I see it. We don't we don't see this together. But he still cares for her, and her saving him at the end, I think, is like because before I won't lie, they didn't seem like a very good couple to me. Mm-hmm. But he, they had they definitely had sparks. They very much liked each other. Like I said, even at the beginning of the episode, uh, Sokka was like the gloomy one. That's always with Azula, and he was like he smiled and was like yeah. Like so, they've always liked each other, but her saving him, yeah, made him realize like, oh, she gets what I'm doing, isn't about like her or like I'm I'm doing something for the greater good here. Mm-hmm. She she's so dedicated to him, she's willing to accept his greater good, even if she doesn't agree with it. Right. I I love it. It's really touching. Right, yeah. So oh yeah. It, it's it, it's she's crazy because of faith. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to put it. She's she's saying, okay, Zuko, I like you so much. I'm gonna trust you. You know what you're talking about. Oh, it's good. And so I think it, it goes to what you're saying here. And it's such like a powerful act of love that it it really throws Azula. Azula yeah. calculated for that zero out of a hundred times happening. Yeah, she said you miscalculated. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. That's really great. So this, like I said, these episodes are really building here. They're building fast and hard. Like they just escaped a very life or death situation as they're leaving the boiling rock. And it was 
they only survived because their enemies helped them. Like, and that mm-hmm. you can't account for that when in an escape plan that May and Tylee are going to turn on Azula. So yeah. they got they snuck out by the skin of their teeth. Typical Team Avatar style. Yeah, and it, it seems. Tylee's never seemed like she belonged on the evil, the bad side. I would on say. She seems like she would fit in very well with Team Avatar. Or the Kyoshi Warriors. You see her yeah, and Suki fighting with sense. each other a lot this episode, and they have very similar fight styles. It almost mm-hmm. looks like Suki at points is chi blocking, but she probably... Uh, it's probably not what it is, but I just meant like it looked like it at points. Uh-huh. And so I think it was, I thought it was really cool that they fought so much this episode. And then later, Tylee's going to join the Kyoshi Warriors. Yeah. Random note, uh, because we're talking about the Kyoshi Warriors, something I forgot, failed to mention in book two is that the Kyoshi Warriors and the Tylee are both organizations founded and trained by Avatar Kyoshi. Oh wow! Oh, I don't know yeah. why I did not connect that, that together. I don't. I, I didn't put that together. But so the Kyoshi Warriors make yeah. sense because they follow him. But so the, the Dai Li. Li I, don't think I mean, that's I always explored. I think that might be no. But I always forget Korra. she was an Earthbender. Yeah. She's an Earthbender. So, though, so she lived in the Earth Kingdom. Yeah, the Dai Li agents. Yeah. And the Kyoshi. Okay. Nice. Formidable. Yeah. yeah. And you know yeah. what? We actually saw the Dai Li in the day of Black Sun. They show up. Of course, just to mess things up. Because uh, yeah. why not? Uh, <laughs> but so I think we move on to this next episode. Is so we've now seen Aang bond with Zuko. We saw Sokka bond with Zuko, and it's time for Katara to finally come around. Because Katara, I actually think, feels most hurt by Zuko because she trusted him back in book two mm-hmm. for just a brief moment. She offered to heal his scar with her magic water, she did. Yeah. and he turns around and then tries to kill the avatar and so she feels very betrayed by him and i think she even mentions it in this episode she says i was the first one to trust you back in the caves at bossing say mm-hmm. and so i think this is like zuko's like most important person to win over if that makes sense it is and um i i also wanted to continue with that but i think at the beginning of this episode uh we continue along that azula um timeline where you know i think we're definitely starting to see her unravel here and she starts attacking the western air temple and so she's fighting at the start of the episode you're right and so the other the the side characters end up leaving parting ways they always split because doesn't want to go through the tunnel because he's scared of the tunnel and so they're it's like, the okay, well, I, guess we'll fly. I guess we'll fly. Don't split out. up. <laughs> yeah. Don't split up. I hate when they split up. Of course, then it's, it's only the main five, but go on. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so then afterwards, yeah. Um, Zuko was asking Sokka, Hey, what happened to Katara's mother? Because, you know, she's mentioned mother so many times. And I do find it interesting how, you know, Aang is like, Katara, you sound like Jet, you know, Ooh. you need to forgive. Yeah, I didn't wow. put that together, but she did. That did kind of rub off on Jet, or like because she, she like Jet. They literally, say you sound yeah. like Jet. You need to stop what you're doing. And she <laughs> does. She's. Yeah. I mean, she's she's acting yeah, just she like Jet revenge, does. Yeah. yeah, she wants revenge. And like the, you didn't love your mother, then you didn't love your mother like I did. Oh, like what she said to Sakai. That was said, such a low oh, blow. Oh, that, that was one of my. That one that was my least favorite character moment for I her. I know. Wow, that's like Katara. Wow. Man. Wow. It, but it shows that this is like a sore, this is a sore spot for her. She, mm-hmm. this is, this is her thing that 
this is what gets her. And so I think that's why Zuko feels it's important that he tries to help. Uh-huh. And he's more so where Aang is trying to teach her the greater lesson of, you know, revenge is, wow, this is funny. I'm just piecing this together. He follows his own advice very shortly after, but he's like, you know, revenge isn't going to do anything. Uh, you, you need to forgive. You need to be able to forgive. And Zuko isn't really here to say what's the right or wrong way to do this. Zuko's just going to say, you want to, you want the man who killed your mother? I will, here he is. I'll find him mm-hmm. for you. And I like that yeah. Zuko's taking kind of a neutral stance to it more. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to, what do you want Katara? I want to help you right now because you're the one that's hurting. Mm-hmm. That's like an Iroh approach to things. You're the one that's hurting. How do I help you? And so I really like that. Whereas the, he, like I said, he's not like encouraging her to get revenge. I guess he kind of is, but he's more so facilitating. You, you do what you got to do here. Yeah. He's supporting her unconditionally. There yeah. you go. As misguided as she, she may be. She's get, and, he's giving her uncle Iroh support. Yeah, he is. And so, but so she wants to go get revenge on the man that killed their mother. And Zuko has a tip. We won't go through the various routes of how he figures it out, but it's the it's the leader of the Southern Raiders who yes. killed her father. Uh, excuse me, her mother. I misspoke. And uh, they find out he has retired and he lives in a village. And I think it's real interesting. We get another look of him just living like a, a normal life for a minute. He's got like an angry. I thought it was his wife because he's really old, but it's his mother, which was even kind of weirder. It was like, he's like, all right, up as a second. I'll let you have my mother. Like POS. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But he, uh, and I'm excited to know that, um, this was on whale tail Island, which was the Island that they were supposed to go to, to save Appa, but that was because it was too far. Yep, that was where they told. Oh, no. I remember <laughs> Whale Tail Island has always stuck out with me. That kind of feels like a, a Poor choice an adult, yeah. yeah, an adult yeah. reference almost. So, yeah. um, I always thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, I didn't even put that together that this is Whale Tail Island they go to. Um, but Katara is like, so she gets the wrong man at first before they find out it's the that he's retired, and this is where we see Katara. Would you say lose it or like I don't even know what would you call it? It was, you know, you know, this was, I, I really appreciate the cinematography of this because mm-hmm. in a way of mirroring the soot falling before the Fire Nation attacks, it starts to rain before Katara attacks with her Ooh. water bending. And she does some interesting things with water in this, in this episode and like just the following him around the city and the rain's coming down and you know, she, she takes that him. giant bubble of, yeah, of I mean, cause this no is the water. combination of like all this rage that she's had, you know, you know, if this book is fire, everybody is dealing with yeah. the inner rages. Like mm-hmm. that's what it feels like what this whole book is about. And so for Katara's inner rage, like if he's here, you know, you can now do with him what you want. And just in that moment of like her creating the umbrella of water well, she stops the, the rain yeah, completely. She suspends the rain, yeah. Which is really cool because in book one, and I, I saw a meme of this, in book one, she only can create like a very tiny water stoppage above like her and Aang, almost like an umbrella. Whereas uh-huh. now we see her a year later mm-hmm. and she is full on 
stop the rain in its tracks. She has become a very strong bender. And earlier in this episode, when she thought she had her mother's killer in front of her, she blood bended this dude out of rage, out of rage. Mm -hmm. And it was the wrong man. And oof, if that doesn't just hurt you, like using like, because that's like, that's like the worst thing you could do revenge wise is take revenge Mm -hmm. on the wrong person. And she, she was like this close to doing it. Yeah. Uh And so we see in this chapter, how, powerful Katara has become. I think we saw a really good example of it at the end of book two, how far she came when she was fighting with all those eight octopus arms, like mm-hmm. all the different daily agents. She was doing real good shit there. Her giant like water stoppage, her control of blood bending. This episode, we just see that she, uh, Katara might be the most powerful waterbender in the series at the moment from what we've seen. Uh-huh. She I very well could be. And I think that's in part in do hanging out with other powerful benders. Toph is very much considered what the best. She's the first metal bender. She's, she's the best earth bender alive. Yeah. Best earth bender in the world. Um, And then Aang is, you know, a very powerful bender in all of them. So I really like that. We see Katara's strength here because it's not something she likes, not doesn't like to highlight, but it's not something that's highlight how strong of a bender she is. Yeah. Um, So last time, Alex, you asked me uh, whether I ever shipped Zuko and, and Katara. And yeah. the arguments, I was talking about a tweet thread, and, and this episode is what, I was, what they were referring to, is that when Katara is going through this emotional episode, Aang doesn't really hear her out. Granted, he gives the better <laughs> advice, Right, but he doesn't provide her the same emotional support that she's given him over and over and over again. Yeah, and Zuko's actually the one who kind of hears her out, doesn't you know discredit the feelings that she's having, and says, "Whatever you want to do, I'm with you." I'm not saying I, I ship Zutara, but I can see why. Yeah, there's a compelling argument for it. Yeah, I could see in a universe where Aang is not there that they could end up could have ended up together. I'm telling you, there's there's so many moments, and we're not even done. In their last fight together, there's many moments where it's like, these two about to end up Ooh. together right yeah, now? Yeah, I, gotta, same, I've I felt the same about... I felt the same way about Toph and Saka, but I guess we could get to that. In, in, Su- in Su- <laughs> Suki, though, I really think Suki is perfect for Saka mm-hmm. because she taught him, like, the biggest lesson of all, like, very right. early on. Like, a warrior is not a manly man. A yeah. warrior is is a, is an attitude, a mindset. It's doing what's right for your people, and it, it, she really got him over a lot of his sexist mentality. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. I really think Suki, also being a non bender, literally just is perfect for a, a perfect match for Sokka. And it makes sense. And I guess it was because of book two we got hit. I didn't notice how much we got hit over the head with the, the fact that Toph likes. Uh, She's got Sokka, a crush on like, him. She, yeah, she really. <laughs> She definitely has a crush on him, and I think she it's cute. Definitely does, yeah. All right, but so Southern Raiders, Katara doesn't take her revenge. She ends up realizing the guy is really sad and pathetic, and uh-huh. they go back. And Ang kind of has a "Ooh, I told you so" moment. Did but you learn your lesson? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. But so now we're getting into the end game. Here we have yeah. one more episode before the finale, and I think I know. That this episode for a lot of people, I don't know. I imagine some this, people love this episode and some people hate this episode. But I was cackling 
this whole this episode. This is my favorite episode of Avatar okay. The Last Oh, Jedi. yeah, yeah. Uh, this is oh, a good one. Wow. This is yeah, a good this, pick. This is my favorite episode. You know, and it's so weird. It's so weird that this one is. Um, well, so because, let's say you know, it real quick. So it's the Ember for, Island players. players it's, yeah. it's the last episode before the finale, the Ember before, Island players. Yeah. And before we even get into the episode, you know, as somebody involved in, in the theater, you know, when it comes to shows that are more on the dramatic side, um, tragedies or things that you're, you're watching in that sense where there's that kind of a tone to it or it's, it's more of a serious tone to a play, you know, oftentimes the advice when writing a script or even in, you know, analyzing the script is that there has to be somewhere for the audience to breathe, some area for the audience to experience comedy, because otherwise they're going to be laughing at the wrong moment, the moment that you mm. don't want them to be laughing. Uh-huh. And I feel like book three, because there's so much intensity throughout it, like yeah. some, I mean, like Southern Raiders, you know, the puppet master, like there's just some real intense stuff in here, but they're juxtaposed by episodes like this or episodes like, you know, the, the runaway, which is a bit more yeah. comedic mm-hmm. in tone. And so giving the audience a chance to breathe before this, you know, whole four episode parter. Yeah. And yeah. end of the whole series arc, we get this. And it was just so ingenious. You know, normally when series do recaps, it's just a, a big clip show. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this wasn't not only not a clip show, <laughs> but it also got a little meta in terms of <laughs> the things that it was talking about and actors interact, well, characters interacting with people portraying them on the stage and also <laughs> even giving time for real life events to grow a lot. Like the characters interactions between themselves, like really taking a look at this is, has been your story up until the point and the characters are commenting on it and really growing and really, you know, getting yeah. into that. Like that was, you know, huge. Um, I agree. So, I think it's and a really, I, mean, I was also in theater. So like having yeah. a show in the, like, it was definitely, you know, very appealing to me. I have never in my life considered this as their take of like a clip show, but most shows do do that. So you're right. Like where they will do a clip show before the finale or like right, mid before the finale. And this is such a great, it reminds us of how far we've come, where the story was, but it, it does have a very meta and a very uh, funny take on it. Um, I think, it's important that while the show recognizes like it's got like great storytelling, it doesn't take, it's not taking itself super seriously at the same time. It's great. And, but we also do get like a really cute moment of, well, I don't know, I'd call it cute, but emotional moment of Aang and Katara mm-hmm. expressing their feelings for each other again. And him being like, Hey, you know, uh, the day of the black sun, like I told you, I had feelings for you and we're not together now. And she's like, the, the timing's just not right. We're, we're still at war here. Totally valid, but he just like can't understand that. Uh-huh. Which, natural. I, I, they're kids. They're in a very difficult spot for being in kids. Yeah. And, and he's getting a little jealous of Zuko here. We're just talking about Katara and Zuka, or yeah. excuse me, Zuko and Katara. And um, in the play, they hint that they have a little bit of romantic tension. And yeah. it's funny because uh, Aang wanted to sit next to Katara and Zuko's like, just sit over there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so <laughs> funny, just all the build up to it. And it's funny that they acknowledge that some fans are 
thinking that Katara and Zuko should end up Gonna together. End up, I think yeah. that's mm-hmm. I think that's so funny that they address it. Yeah, they also throw in the uh, the fourth wall joke of like, wait, did Jet just die? And Sokka says, you twice. know, it's, it was a little unclear. Um, I think it's this episode where it starts uh, where Toph like claims her time with Zuko and she's like, everyone else has had yeah. a changing adventure with him. And so this is something I picked up from, I went down a, like a really deep rabbit hole of like TikToks like about Avatar The Last Airbender for like a week straight. Wow. Someone pointed out that, so she makes that comment at the beginning, doesn't end up going on an adventure with Zuko, but at the end of it, they have a cute moment together where she ends up giving him life-changing advice telling him about you know you know i actually spent some time with your uncle iroh and like would be really proud of what you're doing right now so it was like a cute little moment so she does get her it's not exactly what everyone else has experienced with zuko so far but that is cute but you know what zuko needed to hear that he needed to hear that even though he he knows it deep down but hearing it out loud is a different thing too mm-hmm. that's great i love that they gave toff and iroh like a a weird random close relationship mm-hmm. because it, it it's so great because in only adding a new character would something like that happen where they spend they just didn't know each other so uh i think that's really cute that she reminds zuko of that i think like i said i think zuko knows that but i think it's cute that he probably needed to hear that Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, this is a really good episode. I I like that it's your favorite episode because I can see, <laughs> wait, especially when you explain it like that. I definitely see the importance of it, yeah. and I just love Sokka giving his actor joke tips. It's <laughs> just so funny. It's just so Punching funny that. Jokes, yeah. and, oh, and the best part of it is that um, Aang was not like the good guy of the play. It just turns out the no. Fire Lord comes in at the end and kills Aang, and the, and they're all like. Yeah, it's Fire Nation propaganda. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love very, it. I love very it. Very pro Fire Nation. Yeah. And like being able to see like the end of like seeing how the Fire Nation views what mm-hmm. happened. This story. Yeah. It's very, is a, was a because very at different points they do yeah. boo. They're like boo. And you're like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Toph is also played by like a, a giant buff dude, which is kind of a meta commentary of the Alex, like you said in the last episode. Uh, uh, Toph she was, was originally to designed like to, yeah, to look like Bolin, but they ended up making her like a little girl. But she even comments, she's like, oh, I do too. Yeah, I love Bolin as well. But Toph comments and she's like, I think that's super hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Toph is like, totally dude. accurate. She loves it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's great that everyone has a problem with it besides Toph, because that's just also very Toph. Like everyone has yeah. an issue besides Toph. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a good episode. But so I think it's time. I think we're here at the, uh, I think it's interesting. So when I first, this is, uh, we don't need to include this, but when we when I first watched on Netflix, they didn't p- piece the episodes together. They had them all separately. So it had like 21 episodes on Netflix. Okay. When I visited it like two, three weeks ago, yeah, they, they have now, all. they have combined oh, really? them all to okay. make it like a, a, a very long one episode. Uh, I I don't know. I think that's interesting. So at the end of this countdown to the comment event that they did, where they aired everything, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we got to Friday, we got all four of these next episodes all in a row. Susan's comment, part one, two, three, and four. And so this was huge. I was so, and can I just say, uh, you know, when they're practicing um, battling, um, at the beginning of this episode, Toph is Melon Lord. 
OP. <laughs> I just very OP. Tough as melon, Lord. Yeah. That is great. Yes. Um, one thing I think we should note, I actually do think it was in Ember Island players, is Aang was ready to hide during Sozin's comment and uh, wait to fight the Fire Lord till after Sozin's comment because he doesn't think he's ready firebending-wise. And Zuko uh-huh. goes, um, hate to break it to you, but my dad is going to use Sozin's comment to wipe out every earthbender that there is. Similar yeah, to how he w- Yeah. Oh, it's in this episode. Good. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, I, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay. I was off. I thought maybe it was for some reason the one before. So, yeah. yeah they, Aang was ready to skip it, which, God, mm-hmm. I think it's so funny because that is probably how I, I would think, okay, smarter move. I'll take him down when I'm better at firebending after the comet. But uh-huh. Zuko points out that they are going to wipe out every earthbender, similar to how yeah. they wiped out the airbenders. There and won't so, Aang realizes. There's left to save. Yeah. Exactly. After, yeah. Exactly. And so, this is it. We're here. Sozin's comments about to come. Uh, and Aang needs to take down the Fire Lord, who recently in the first episode dubs himself now. He's going to take over the world. So he's not the Fire Nation leader anymore. He's mm-hmm. ruler of the world. And he wants to go by the Phoenix King, Ooh. which I don't like Ozai, but damn, that's a badass name. That's a badass. If, if I don't want to be called the Phoenix King, I don't know. <laughs> that is like an amazing name. So, uh-huh. ruler of the world, Phoenix King. And he dubs. His sweet, sweet daughter, Azula, Fire Lord. And I'm not positive, but she might be the first female Fire Lord. There will be one in Korra also, but um, I think she's the first female Fire Lord, which is, I don't know, breaking glass ceilings. I don't like Azula, but good for her. Um, (laughs) She got what she wanted. She got the the title of Fire Lord. She did. And And she's slowly, and so I like how in the throne room, the fire changes to blue. I think that's such a great touch because it also is super menacing. The red fire for some reason was hotter too. Yeah. Oh God. So I I apologize also if I'm going out of order in the episodes, I just have, you know, I, I, where I'm going to talk about them as if they're one. Mm -hmm. Um, but so Azula at this point is slow is, is, is losing it. She like is firing every one of her servants Mm-hmm. And she like takes a chunk out of her own hair that literally just makes her look crazy. <laughs> and so and that's like where she- having her, her mother appear. I know this is in part three, but having her mother no, appear fine. there, um, and, you know, and being haunted by that. Uh, and her mother it, saying, it goes, no, I love you, Azula. And she, she's throwing the rock at the, or whatever she had at the mirror, breaking it. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It goes back to what you said is that it wasn't the betrayal as much as the the love for someone else other than Azula. Mm-hmm. And I, I really love that point because I'm not kidding. That puts so much perspective on her character. It also puts her undying rage against Zuko into perspective. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Zuko more than me. Everyone my friends, my mom. And she's like, I'm tired of it. I'm better than him. Why do they love him more? And I'm not kidding when that was like the final piece of the puzzle that really put Azula like into perspective. Mm -hmm. She's understandable at this point because on paper, she's accomplished. She's proven she's better than her brother as a firebender. She's now the successor to the throne. She's proven herself worthy, but yeah, Similar to Zuko earlier in the season, she's accomplished this thing that she thought she was after, 
but she hasn't solved the real problem. And that's why she's, not she's happy. you know, descending into madness and she's starting to lose it. She's a really Whereas compelling Zuko, villain. She is. Zuko knew what he needed to do to make the change. She doesn't, she doesn't even know what's wrong. She, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? She's like, I got everything I want. Why am I not happy? Or why am I? So yeah. I, I, that's Iroh. I think if Iroh had spent time with Azula, maybe he would have been able to teach her, no, there, this is not what you want kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I seriously, I love what we're PC together here. And yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, this final episode just encapsulates the whole series. So I don't know if it's the first one, but so Aang is now, he takes off in like a fugue state. Well, I don't know. Sleepwalking. Um, one of the, yeah, he takes yeah, off yeah. in the middle of, of a trance, let's say, mm-hmm. and he ends up on this island. He sees this island out. And then, uh, when the rest of the gang wakes up, he's just missing mm-hmm. and he's on this giant island and he, he's anxious is probably the best word. He's really anxious to fight the fire Lord and yeah. he doesn't well, think everyone, he can kill him. Everyone wants him to kill the fire Lord and yeah. he's yeah. still searching for a different way because that goes against everything he's about against all of his air monk air nomad teachings they taught him you know all the past avatars are like he even talks to uh i think it's yang chen the the previous airbender yeah uh, avatar and she says you know even though you're raised as an air nomad you are the avatar you are you don't belong Mm -hmm. to the air nomads you have a responsibility to responsibility to all four nations so he's communing with all these past avatars trying to find some some answer to not killing he doesn't want to perpetuate the cycle of violence he knows yeah. killing the fire lord does not necessarily end the war it could perpetuate the war for another hundred years you don't know it's just more violence more violence is not going to solve violence, violence breeds violence yeah. mm-hmm. and, so and i love that Aang, though Aang, and this is, I, I always say it's the Captain America in him. Aang knows that it is wrong to kill the Fire Lord. Mm-hmm. And even though his whole team is saying, no, you're going to have to kill the Fire Lord. Even his past lives are all telling him he's going to have to kill the Fire Lord. He, he refuses at every, every part of his being refuses to mm-hmm. accept that that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I love that commitment to like your philosophy, your morals. I love that in the face of everyone telling you you're wrong. If you know you're right, you stick up for what's right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm skipping a little out of order, but so the Island that he's on is actually a giant lion, lion turtle, lion turtle. Yep. Lion turtle. I, I, I was going to work the word Island in there, but so it's a lion turtle love the half animals that they do. But mm-hmm. so this lion turtle is also a super spiritual being. And he, uh, will, he shows Aang a different way. He, he, he like respects Aang's desire to look for a different path. And he goes, uh-huh. I, I have a way. And I love that he touches his forehead and his, chest heart yeah his heart i'm assuming his heart because that's also what ang does later on i don't know why i always i just love that yeah yeah um and i know um towards the beginning here we have the zuko and iroh reunion and oh, that's you know, the right. first thing that the first thing that iroh says because Zuko's just talking to iroh and iroh just grabs him and hugs him oh. and you know he basically says you know i was never angry with you i was sad because i afraid i was afraid you'd lost your way oh. and 
Oh. I'm just cannot. I, it was, yeah. it was, oh, so for Iroh so not being much in the season, he still manages to have the most emotional moment in the best yeah, way. He, really he Zuko starts apologizing for what Zuko feel feels is his greatest failure. Mm. And Iroh doesn't even let him finish. He just grabs him mm. into a hug and says, I was never angry with you. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so Iroh, touching. So good. It's uh-huh. so good. Iroh is the father figure of this whole series. As an audience member, you feel like the main characters are your peers. And then he's the one positive role model we've had in this entire series. The only one who is working towards something good, who is not manipulative like Long Feng, who's not trying to conquer the world like Oza. He's the only one who we've seen and grown to trust as an audience uh, and, and being on the side of Team Avatar. And that's why it's so important. And he's been gone this whole time since he broke out of prison. We haven't really seen him at all. It's such an emotional reunion. It's yeah. beautiful. It's a nice little cap to uh, It's a great story. ending to, to the two of their story. Yes. Zuko's not done just yet, but Iroh and Zuko, it's a really, it, it's full circle to Iroh finally, oh, you've, you've learned what I wanted you to learn, nephew. You, mm-hmm. you, you've done it. So it, it's great. I, Iroh's my favorite character. I love his moral compass on the series. I love his, his desire to help others. It mm-hmm. just, I, I think a lot of people, if, if they had an ounce of, Iroh in them would would be a, a lot better of people. Yeah. I think it's also worthwhile to note before Zuko and Iroh's reunion, we see a bunch of old characters from previous season pop up. We've seen the White Lotus symbol mm, yep. dispersed throughout the series, never explained what it was. And you just get the shot of Master Paku, of Jung Jung, of Boomy, of uh, Pian Dao, the sword mm-hmm. master. In yeah. these white robes, and you're like, "What is going?" It's like, it, it's an awe-inspiring moment. It's like, what? How do these guys all know each other? I know there's something about this white lotus thing, and you find out it's the secret society that Iroh happens to be like the head of because he's so yeah. freaking cool. And it all yes. starts to come together. It's like, oh, this is why the swordmaster was so benevolent, and you know, mm-hmm. willing to cover for Sokka and the gang. Um, but what a great moment bring all the characters back i love that jong jong is part of it he was the fire nation defector so i think it's mm-hmm. it's cool that he he very much didn't see eye to eye with the fire nation from the jump so mm-hmm. i love the white lotus it, it's a philosophy draw from all parts of wisdom not just one so i think it's really cool that they we, we, it's been very shrouded in mystery. It's been hinted at this white Lotus, this white Lotus. And it, once it comes together, it makes a lot of sense. You're like, Oh, that's why Iroh is the way that that's why Iroh learns from different bending techniques or, you know, doesn't care about living in bossing, say being an earthbender where Zuko's like, ah, get me out of here. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. great. It, it really contextualizes a lot of things. I never really put it together until just now, but Iroh's involvement with the white Lotus implies that he set out with Zuko in the very beginning of the series before season one even starts with the intention of finding the avatar for the white Lotus. And Zuko was just a convenient alibi for him. Oh my God. Wow. So good. So we have three major kind of, fights that are going on at around the same time so first we have you know Toph and Sokka and Suki trying to take down 
um, I want to say the Zeppelins. That yeah, it's a yeah, giant bunch of airships yeah. that are about to just literally flamethrower the entire Fire Nation. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's them versus the fleet of Fire Nation um, mm-hmm. air balloons, airships, which is yeah. funny because Sokka created the air balloon yeah. back long ago and the Fire Nation got it. I think that's so interesting that he now has to be the one to take them down. Mm-hmm. And then the other fight is the last Agni Kai. I love Zuko and Katara versus Azula. I, yeah, yeah. Yep. Ooh. I that's probably my fight of of this episode is the last. Yeah, it is for me. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. that's the, that's my favorite the, of the three. The music, yeah. the cinematography, the different. This is where the blue versus red flames really pays off. Is this one on one duel that they have? Um, so that's the and then the other last fight is Avatar Aang first phoenix king ozai and all three of these are happening pretty simultaneously which Mm -hmm. just leads to the stakes feeling higher and higher like bouncing around from fight to fight um so how do you guys want to do it you want to talk about them one at a time and end with egg and probably one at a time yeah we Uh, do one at a time do you want to do the airships first let's start with the the airships airships Yeah. yeah yeah so this is where we get a really good so when Sokka, Suki, and Toph are fighting probably, I want to say like 20, 30 airships. It's a lot. It's a, a lot, lot of airships. Like yeah. it looks like an impossible task. Mm-hmm. And due to Sokka being pretty ingenious, Suki being very re- like resourceful, and Toph being the greatest earthbender in the world and being able to metal bend, they mm-hmm. are able to like use the ships against each other which is i i love that because that's Sokka. that's a waterbender thing you use you like you deflect and use i love that Sokka mm. is using the airships against themselves it feels very waterbendering to me i love that toph can just launch the three of them onto yeah. one of those airships from where they were on the ground she's and amazing them taking over in the in the little moment of Sokka's going like uh, everybody report down to the, to the <laughs> docks on somebody's birthday. He remembered my birthday. And then they like, let him all drop through the, the trap door. And mm. I just, genius. I love yeah. when Toph tumbles through the metal door and makes it into an armor. And then she like spider yes. crawls on the roof. It's such a cool bending moment. It is. Uh, this whole scene, very just action-packed. They're taking out ship by ship by ship. It, it doesn't look like it's going great for them. I think that it looks like they lose Suki at one point, but she does yeah, come yeah. back. Um, Sokka breaks a leg. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they oh, jump from a ship and then... Uh, onto top as she's dangling off the side yeah. of the airship, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's really... Um, it gets it's it like gets dicey there. with one arm and holding. Yeah, it gets like, really dicey. Of, he loses yeah. his sword. He does lose his his space sword, which is kind of mm-hmm. sad. And I think he even says, "Bye, cool space sword." I think he says <laughs> something to that effect. Um, but so uh, that fight is important. Uh, getting the airships so that they don't destroy the air nation. Now uh, we also have Katara and Zuko who have flown to the Fire Nation on Appa. And they're going to dethrone Azula. Mm-hmm. And I think as a kid, it was kind of lost on me that 
they're not just fighting for the sake of like winning the war. Like they're really fighting for the throne. Like, and he yeah, even, I, he I even didn't says, didn't even know about he likes, it, yeah. yeah, he like challenges. I challenge you for the throne or so he says something along the lines of it, but like, I don't know the, the importance of it, like really wasn't lost on me this time. Like this mm-hmm. is not just a fight to, to kill the other one in a sense. It's, it's to take over the fire nation. He's like staging a coup. It's really kind of it's it's kind of interesting because you don't view it as that way because you view him as the hero. But a lot of people in the Fire Nation are probably like the exiled prince has come back and he's he's trying to take over the Fire Nation. Like it's it's really interesting. And so him and Katara. So first, it's just Zuko versus Zula one on one. They do what's called an Agni Kai. Same thing. Zuko got his scar on. Um, and I love it. I call I always call it this because it's a cool title. It's called the Last Agni Kai because once Zuko takes over, the first thing he does is. Just no more Agni Kai's. He dispels them. They're not a thing in the Fire <laughs> yeah. Nation anymore. And so this is just such an intense fight. The music it really is. takes a different tone. Mm-hmm. The cinematography, just the flames. It, it's almost like you can feel the flames through the TV. Mm-hmm. It's hot. It's a hot fight. It's fire. It's, it's great because this, all these three fights are kind of interspersed, cut, like they're cut together. So they cut yeah. from one to the other to the other. The Aang versus Fire Lord one. The other two have like a very not upbeat, but like a like a war drum, you know, rhythmic thing going on, like a very battle anthemic almost. Right. And this one, there's like this slow string music composition in the background. It's that's sad because this is not a moment of triumph for Zuko. He has to end his sister basically, like as much problems as they have with each other like this is not something he necessarily wants to do he would love to redeem her but he has to do this to like he's after this day is over he's not gonna have family other than uncle Mm -hmm. iroh like he has to cut ties with everyone in this moment and the music is reflective of that yeah it it is it's very emotional during the the yeah during the fight i love it and as you said before, you know, hair being a very important um, character trait, you know, her hair in this, I mean, like the way she cut her hair earlier mm-hmm. this episode, I don't yeah. know what she was trying to do, but <laughs> didn't, I don't know, it just didn't really, she just looks disheveled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it makes her look crazy. She and that's really good. Though. Bangs, yeah. Like, yeah. The hair sense- is very important in the Fire Nation. And, and Azula is a strategist, like to the point of knowing to, you know, tell the the Fire Lord, hey, Zuko is the one who, you know, mm-hmm. just with the, just even with the notion that if the Avatar happened to be alive, that it would cause shame on Zuko and like really, ex- like just so calculated in everything that she does. And here it's like, I feel like all of that just went out the window. I don't know where it went just all yeah for someone who focuses on the details it just went Mm -hmm. away yeah for someone who's always focused on the details of things she just and zuko even calls it out right away he goes something's different about her she's she's Uh slipping and he can see it he can see it partly because of her hair (laughs) like no joke (laughs) when to the writer's credit when game of thrones the last season was airing and fans are very displeased with Daenerys Targaryen's journey and how she ends mm. up her descent into madness. Azula was held up as an example of the right way to go about doing this, not over the span of 
you know, 10 minutes in the last episode, but slowly over the season, we've gotten to know her over two seasons. We've seen her. And in season three, we start to see the chinks in the armor. We start to see the cracks emerge Mm -hmm. and they did such a beautiful job. She's such a compelling villain. I agree. I agree. I mean, and this was another Zuko Katara moment that stuck out to me Mm. was when, you know, Zuko, she she is redirecting, you know, her her lightning it, at Katara, and Zuko jumps in front of that and takes that hit for her, um, you know, causing you know probably with the same injury as Aang, literally, except his is on the front instead of Aang was on his back. But mm-hmm. um, that same moment where she could have used the water if she had it, you know, I could yeah. definitely yeah. have seen a moment where that could have come into play um, if she had it. Um, it's a very touching a moment, sacrifice it was and what a moment for Katara too because Katara that fight between them I just just her control over water temp- like I feel like that must be so hard to yeah. not only to control water but to control the temperature of water such that I can move in this part and you can't because it's frozen and trying to change it's so badass mm-hmm. when she and just like, breathes through this, her nostrils and yeah melts. Yeah. We see this for both Katara and eventually for Aang, but like the like just the the, the, the slow motion shots yeah. of how they end their fights. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, I'm glad you brought up these scars. So just the beauty of it. In at the end of season two, Aang gets his scar from Azula in the back mm-hmm. when he has to let go of Katara to save the world. Zuko gets his scar on the front from Azula. When he has to let go of his chance to save the world to save Katara. Whoa. What a mm-hmm. great bookend. What wow. <laughs> right? 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 That is yeah. crazy. I it's stuff like that. I, I just it's so well thought out. It's so well thought out. I don't think uh, I don't plan my day as well as these guys <laughs> plan a three season TV yeah. show. Like that's a lot of it, planning. It's so uh, I just love 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 attention to detail it's one thing you know azula does it like in a vicious cutthroat way but here we're like ubering over it with these writers so it's funny but i i think this fight is probably the best in the series because it's two firebenders showing ultimate firebending and then we see katara really like i said we saw her in the southern uh raiders her mastery of water and this one we we saw her put it to combat use and she Mm -hmm. she she showed out. She bust. She was a boss. Yeah. And you know, Zuka says, thank you. Katara. Katara says, I think I'm the one who should be thanking you. <sighs> Such what, a great line. Quote. Yeah. So great. And so that's another, they, I could, if they had ended up together, I don't think people would have been surprised. I would not yeah. have been surprised. After no, that. I don't like think a moment like that. Like I would have yeah. been like, okay, yeah, I see that. If they kissed right there, mm-hmm. if they kissed, just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised. No. And so uh, they win. They take over the Fire Nation, but then uh, mm-hmm. they're not done. They still have the Phoenix King. Yeah. And this, ah, wow. So I, I may, maybe I lose all credibility. But I'm about <laughs> to say this is the best fight in the series after I just called the last Agni Kai the best fight. This is the most, uh, maybe what it is, this is the most action packed fight. Mm-hmm. And the stakes feel so high. And it's, you know what it is? We've failed so many times. 
it just it feels like we could fail again here. It really does. As as mm-hmm. as sad as that seems, it feels like we may end on a bad note. I thought this was the most creative fight. Yeah. I, I think I think whereas you know the um Azula and Zuko and Gatara fight was the most emotional fight, like the fight that mm. had the most amount of meaning. Um and especially with Azula with that breakdown at the end, which wow like the yeah. voice actress and i love her and everything that she does but wow that voice acting at the end there with and with the little whimpers at the end like oh, <laughs> oh so good so good but anyway uh with ang and oza i think the most impressive to me was just the ways that they were both bending the elements I just thought mm-hmm. it was just the most creative and the use of the environment. Like I loved the environment mm. they were fighting in. Like what a cool battlefield, like just a bunch yeah. of earth around and then water and fire and the, like everything, like everything, all the elements were just naturally around and being able to use them in, in creative ways. And, you know, this fight I see in two parts. There's the part, the first part, which ends with Aang about to kill him. And then, shooting the lightning up in the air. Um, yeah. And then the second part of, okay, in the Avatar state, just trying mm-hmm. to do other stuff, do it a different way. I love when he's in the Avatar state because he gets that like ball of all four energies around him. And it really reminds mm-hmm. me of his air scooter that he makes. I know it's not exactly the same, but him running around in that, it just, it really gives me that same sort of vibe and feel. And what a great defensive offensive form to having an air bubble around you mm-hmm. as well as, you, you know, the earth fire and water rings around. Like, yes. It's unreal. And he's just right. rolling through like a bowling ball on everything. He's just destroying shit. I said, uh-uh, I'm out of here. What's <laughs> he got in the Avatar's data? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time we've seen him get back into the Avatar state since yeah. the end of season two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. He didn't he think he could go into it. Me. Yeah. I yeah, I think you said it best, Aaron. This fight it just feels really creative. I, I think something the series does really well is no fight feels repetitive, no. and so for this one to be as long as it is and as drawn out and as as intense, I mean, this is what the whole series has been building to. This he's yes. been he needs to take down the Fire Lord, and it it just feels like I said so earned. We've seen Aang grow so much, and we really see his skills all culminate in some really badass ways uh it's so great i really good i I, yeah i think i think i just i think you said it best i got action wise this is the best fight but like emotion wise the the and so it's awesome that they're happening at the same time because Mm -hmm. happening at one on top of the other which is just a wild series of events watching it go down it's so Mm -hmm. it's it's a really phenomenal series finale and i think what's important is a lot of shows do try to bust out season after season they very clearly had an end story in mind when they wrote it and that's apparent here is everything has really culminated together you know we have i guess another fight is uh the white lotus taking back bossing say that's going on so it feels like we're getting some redemption we feel like zuko it feels like a lot of redemption zuko's getting his redemption story uh he's getting his honor back in the way that he now best knows how ang's mm-hmm. getting his honor back it's all about getting your honor back that's what <laughs> we've found out this season everyone is just losing their honor left and right dropping it and 
they're it's fulfilling so their destinies because book three is about fire and it's about yeah. drive and it's about ambition it's and it's beautiful. about succeed yep yep what it's I about love, get, reaching your goal yeah what i love about the how uh ang's fight with ozai ends is that he doesn't win in the avatar state he very easily mm. could have he had the opportunity to consciously pulls himself out of it says this isn't the way i'm not going to kill you and then Ozai tries a sneak attack on him and he senses it. They use the tough visual earthbending. And it just this simple, like he's using these things he's picked up from his friends, not from the avatar state, from the world that he's supposed to be protecting. Yeah. Just this one simple trick, very simple bending techniques, senses him, deflects it. You no. Know, Binds his hands with with earth, and then uses the energy bending he was taught by the yeah. lion turtle, and takes away Ozai's fire bending. And it's a beautiful. Yeah. It's just beautiful how it mm-hmm. happens. Their two spirits really show, and they intermingle. And, and I bat, love yeah. him taking it away. His his bending away. Who like. It's that door number C or option number C we've been waiting that Aang was looking for so desperately. He found his nonviolent way to solve mm-hmm. this situation. I absolutely love it. And it's obviously only something the avatar, well, spoiler, barring Korra. I meant like it's a solution fitting of an avatar, I feel like. Yeah. It's, it's very, you know, he's the peacekeeper of the world. He's to restore balance. Violence only breeds more violence. He needs an ending that will be fit. And th- so him taking out the fire Lord and then Zuko stepping in and bringing in that era of peace and happiness that he was talking about. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's perfect. And it's, it's great that their destinies were so intertwined just from the beginning as enemies to now bringing in that, that era of peace and balance. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's so great. I think when I first watched it, I would have wanted him to win in the Avatar state and kill the Fire Lord. But watching it again now, 15 years later, it's like that would have been against everything he stands for. That would yeah. have tormented Aang as a character. We've <laughs> seen him t- like, you know, toil over these decisions and really be torn up by the morality of what his responsibility is. That would have been not that would not have been the right call on the writer's part and even though that's what every 10 year old kid wants to watch is just yeah. the crazy crazy battle they knew they had to do right by the character they had to do right by Aang it's so good it's just so well written and where most fight scenes are focused on the animation it's uh, the writing that really wins out here in the end so mm-hmm. I love it I mean I I could sit here and and talk high praises of it for literally hours on end. It's just, it's an amazing watch. I think you could watch that last episode alone, just, or Uh just that last fight alone several times, just back to back to back. Uh, You know, the, the meme, like top 10 best anime fights for sure. It's, it's up there. And like I said, the combination of that and the Zuko Katara Azula fight, I think they, since they're hitting such different notes, they really complement each other also. Mm. Yeah. And, well, I mean, afterwards, um, one of the moments that had always stuck with me from the end of the series was when Zuko went to visit Ozai in prison. And Ozai was like, oh, well, the, the new Fire Lord is gracing me with his presence. I should be pleased. And 
you know, Zuko is here for one reason and one reason only, you know, to ask, you know, where is his mother? And while I wish we had gotten an answer in the actual series, um, you know, I, I always thought that was uh, a cool and interesting moment. Yeah, it feels like a cliffhanger. It feels like it, it, there's more to come. I know they do actually address it in the, the comics, uh, yeah. comics afterwards. So I'm pretty sure he does go on an adventure. I don't know enough about it, so I, I won't talk and try to spoil it by accident. But yeah, um, I want to read it. Though. I'm sure the books, I should read the books because I love both mm-hmm. Avatar and Korra. I mean, not to segue, but I do think uh, we are going to cover Korra next. So anyone that's listening. You should definitely start watching that. It's going to be on Netflix August 14th. So Netflix is making a very smart move. They're just riding the hype of Avatar. And they're they're like, oh, wait, maybe we should just get the second part of it. It's, uh, I, um, wow. I'm trying to think, I don't have anything else left on my notes. Story-wise, do we have any like closing thoughts? I feel like we've beaten this thing to death. This was a series that grew up as we grew with it. And yeah. especially being a kid at the time watching it, 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 I mean, it's a series that it's one of the only shows that I can think of where you can watch it back and continually pick up on new things on rewatches and have completely different perspectives. Even as you get older, like the way that I thought about something as a kid might be different than the way I think about it now. Then maybe I might understand Iroh on a whole other, you know, level, you know, when I get to be his age, you know, um, or some of the older characters and kind of resonating more with them or paying attention to different aspects of the characters. And it's something that people of all ages can get and people of all ages can get so many interesting lessons and takeaways from too. And it's a very rewarding series to watch from start to finish. Mm -hmm. They never Mm -hmm. once talk down to the audience, even though Avatar, the last airbender, especially, or, you know, season one, early parts of season two can feel very playful and seemingly cartoonish and childish at times. They never talk down to the audience and the primary demographic is like seven to 12, you know, but they tackle heavy, heavy, heavy themes. And that continues. Cora feels very tonally different, but that's because it's a couple of years later. The audience that grew up with Avatar, the last airbender is a little older. Now the writing fits that audience now. And like Aaron, like what you said, it's something you can revisit time and time again. I rewatched it twice in the past two months, just back to back to do this podcast. And it's just as rewarding as the first time, if not more, because I go back and see everything uh, with a fresh set of eyes and uh, one plug, even though the, the app might be banned soon. I highly encourage you to go down and get into Avatar TikTok because a lot of like they point out some crazy, crazy, crazy stuff that I never would have thought of. And I've watched it so attentively um, and people are catching stuff that I don't see. Um, I feel like Aang is you can use him as a moral compass. It's almost like a WWJD. Like what would Aang do in a scenario like I he can you can use this as a moral guide. Like I can, when I, when the time comes that I have kids, I know I can set them in front of a TV and put this on and I don't have to worry about what they're going to take away from it. Like 
this objectively makes you a better, more reflective, more empathetic person. And it's got badass fighting in it. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Uh, It's, ah, God, I literally, uh, I feel like I could just sit here and I could like talk over the same points. I just would like, we've been talking for three hours and I feel like I could talk over each episode again with you guys and Mm -hmm. we would discover new stuff. Like it's amazing to me. I love that I'm able to rewatch this so many years later through a new lens and it just has like a whole new appreciation, so many connections for it. It's, 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 I don't know. It just is really, I I don't know how to phrase it. It just warms my heart. How awesome this series is. I, I get so much joy watching it. I think because it's very true to the human condition. There's a lot of failures. There's a lot of lessons to be learned, but in the end, you know, friendship and, and, and caring about others is what wins out. Uh, I love it. I just, I, it, it may be my favorite show after maybe because we just dissected it. So like uh, integrally, but I, I, I'm obsessed with this show. I, I really am. I think in past episodes, we had compared this to uh, worlds like star Wars or Harry Potter um, or Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. I see this, especially with Netflix picking up Korra, making a live action series. And it would obviously depend on like the creator's interest, but this world has the staying power of a Star Wars mm-hmm. that it's lasted so long and its impact is so profound because people connect with the story, not through merchandise and toy sales like yeah there are franchises franchises like transformers or whatever or pokemon that that survive through yeah. games that survive through action games. i agree this one sticks around because people connect with the story i really like that point i think to what you're saying netflix should almost take the opportunity to make a spin-off they should mm-hmm. maybe not make a rec because le- similar to like the success we saw with the Mandalorian or something we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a lot of potential for a lot of different stories to be told in this yeah. world. And just because, so we we love the story of Aang. There's a lot of other things going on. And I think, I think that's really wise. What you said is it doesn't survive through games, merchandise. It survives just because people, it really resonates with them and it makes mm-hmm. a connection. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, like I said, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, I, I could talk about it all day. <laughs> I think that just it really combines on every le- level, story-wise, animation-wise, um, action-wise, comedy-wise. It just it fires on all cylinders. And every, every time I've watched it, because now I've watched it a few times through, I enjoy it. It's, it's not, it doesn't get stale at all. And mm-hmm. so... Whereas a lot of other things, sometimes you're watching it the first time and you're like, oh, this is kind of stale. I'm done with this. This is really engrossing. And not just for us, for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it's a show that has, you know, stuck around with us as kids. I'm so excited that we're now in a world where kids are able to watch this and learn from it the same way that we did. Mm -hmm. And you know, granted, they don't have to deal with the agony of waiting months for episodes to come out, <laughs> but now that they can watch it, you know, and, and watch Cora and, and have the series available to them and families are able to talk about these things, you know, living together and, and going over things. 
I'm very excited to see what the impact of this series is going to be. I mean, it's to the point where this is also on CBS All Access too. So yeah, um, it's got a wide audience. You know, the, yeah, so the wide audience range. is getting wider, and I, I think it's a show that's definitely going to. It's one of those shows that is very timeless, even yeah. from when mm-hmm. it came out. And I just always appreciated that about the show, where it always felt like a mix of multiple timelines yeah and even same with with Korra there was always elements of old and new and just ambiguity as far as timeline goes so Mm -hmm. yeah I love it um Aaron thank you so much for joining us here today we We, really appreciate you being you're our first guest and (laughs) you were such a joy to have you are very insightful um you you blew my mind at least two three times which is awesome so thanks again for joining us aaron i'm just we're really grateful we had a really good time with you well uh, do you have anything you want to plug at the end aaron before we before we wrap up um i i guess you could follow me on twitter uh at aa robertson 94 and uh, I had the privilege of unearthing my past from 2005 to 2008 as well, because a show that was out during that time, Endurance, I got the chance to host a reunion with them earlier this Good. year um, with my Rise and Fall series under that was a podcast. And I also was able to podcast with a few of those alumni on the new show Karma, which has come out. So it's like the, the Cora to uh, Endurance's avatar. So, um, awesome. yeah. So I, I'm very excited to see uh, what happens with that show in this decade. And yeah, that's what awesome. I've been doing these past couple months. Great. That's awesome. Uh, that'll do it for Avatar The Last Airbender. Thanks for listening and watching with us. We'll catch you next time. Woo-hoo!